Hey, welcome back. Another episode of uh, Jay. Did you know this is the number one podcast in motocross? I do now. So it definitely is, and that's not made up. Ali says it's made up. It's not made up. Moto Academy podcast featuring Albert, and we've got a guest in the van today, and he lives in my town. Even though I don't hang out with anybody because I'm just wide open all the time, he lives in my town. Jay Cavanaugh, uh, can vibe mindset is that how I can introduce you or introduce so, yourself? So, a couple things. One, mental performance coach, Dr. Right. Jay Cavanaugh. We have behindthebest.co, which uh, is our our a podcast, which is on uh, the people behind the best athletes in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also have the vibe mindset, which is more of like my general uh, kind of life coaching type advice. And then we have rack racing. Rack racing would probably be the most relevant to to our demo, which is uh, rak-racing.com, which is mental coaching for guys that either race in motorsports or supercross motocross. Rack Racing was one of my sponsors when I did, was it the Pastrana and the Stewart one? Just the Stewart one? I think it was just the Stewart one. Pastrana one, that was when we were, uh, I stayed uh, in the same Airbnb with you and your phone blew up because that was when you did the Flying W yeah. or whatever. And I just watching what <laughs> happened. I've never seen your phone. Like, I think you just said you couldn't, wasn't there something with your phone where you couldn't keep up? There was something like the messages were happening so fast. Something was going on there. I don't remember what. It, do you remember what happened? No, I don't. Well, I, <laughs> I just remember that that near death experience <laughs> is kind of like what really yeah. elevated everything. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think Red Which Bull Straight Rhythm in 2019 we did James Stewart. I think it was 19. That one then, did too, and it was back to back years, wasn't it? Yeah, and then 20, I think you did uh, Pastrana. But I really think it put you on the map. I mean, mm -hmm. that, there's a lot of people that watch that. A lot of people in different sports watch that. And I think that helped. And I just think you've been on a trajectory ever since about that time. Um, I think you even said it. You're like, dude, this put me on the map, you know? And I think it was when things started to kick off for you, like at 19. It was the perfect timing, really. So nine, so nineteen was the Stewart one. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then we turned the Rack Racing logo into was it Chevy Trucks? Yes. Logo. Yes. So because you were the title sponsor for that, I think, Correct. from what I remember. Yep. So you turned all of the sponsor logos got turned into the James Stewart's Chevy Trucks logos on the bike, so it was cohesive. But. The timing of it was perfect because that year when I had Jesse Petrini shoot that video and we did it all in, that's how my YouTube video uh, channel started, I think. I think you're right. I started my YouTube channel with that video. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that James Stewart video was like the first one of my, which it was a great video. Then I did well. I got second, I think. Did the worm, did the sprinkler, did oh. all the dance moves. So like really couldn't have gone much better other than me winning the event, really. And uh, then the Stewart or the Pastrana one, same thing. I mean, the Pastrana one couldn't have been any better with me almost killing myself. Had I gone out and just won, which I very well could have, I think I got third. Mm -hmm. It was way better doing what I did, way better. But it was the beginning of the YouTube channel and it was right before COVID. So it was like my YouTube channel was starting to get some good momentum and people knew who I was. And then COVID happened. And not only was now everybody watching YouTube, but I was at the track every single day for 12 hours a day doing private lessons. So I just had my GoPro and just filming myself. And that's when I filmed all of the private lesson videos, which to this day, when you ask people like OG subscribers inside the app, people listening to this right now, probably half of them, more than that, they found me from the private lesson video series, which wasn't when I you know, had a camera guy and all this. It was when I was just holding a GoPro teaching 
talking to you, teaching you, just holding a GoPro at us like this. Um, yeah, and it was just good timing. Yeah, and it's good amazing timing. when you think about it. Like, think about how organic all this was. It was like, hey, let's do Red Bull Street Rhythm. Hey, we should get a title sponsor. And then that turned into another thing and another thing. And it's and then here we are, you know, in a van, you know, doing a podcast. I mean, you know, it's really amazing if you think about it because we're only talking about four years. Yeah, I know. That's that's pretty quick growth. And, you know, you're not, you're still growing. And this thing popped, what, in a matter of maybe, what, three years? You know, I mean, two to three years, you were... The James Stewart year, AJ Catton's Aeromoto X Academy probably didn't exist yet. Or if it did, it was brand new. I think it, yeah, I think it might have been brand new. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you had that old logo with like... um Okay. Like, like Ivy or something on it. I remember. Okay, so it did exist. I think it might. I think it did. But it was brand new, and then yeah. we didn't change it from AJ Cat and Zero Moto X Academy to the Moto Academy until 2021 or 2022. So think about that. That wasn't that long ago. It's not that long ago at all. Yeah, yeah, and that maybe can get us into this conversation a little bit. So, uh, I want to start this podcast by saying I'm sorry, and by saying thank you. Do you know why? No. So I'm sorry because, well, no, thank you because you believed in me. There was a handful of people that really, really believed in me. Uh, and I took that for granted because I just didn't understand it. And I'm sorry because I didn't believe in myself. Holy crap. And that must, be, must have been frustrating. And I experienced that now with a lot of other people where you see their potential and they just don't get it. They don't understand it. They think so short term and they cannot comprehend that they can reach that potential one day. And I truly didn't believe it the whole time. So I can only imagine how frustrating that would have been for you, for Rob, a lot of my career, for all of these people that were around me that were like pulling their hair out and I'm just like, you know, because I just didn't think it was possible. And what that would create is I would just take shortcuts all the time subconsciously. And because it would give me this little excuse as to why I couldn't do it. But I didn't understand it. So I just wanted to start the podcast with that. I, I mean, I'll... <laughs> I'm tearing up again. Here I am. I, te I teared at the pa I cried at a package store yesterday because I got this killer offer. And then, you know, the guy actually did a typo, which I won't go into it, but no, he I... actually sent me the wrong offer for someone else. And uh -huh. I'm like, no, I want that. And it was way higher than it should have been. And then I said, I want that. And just went for it. And he agreed to it. No way. So I literally got a killer contract <laughs> yesterday. And I, it and it happened as I was walking to the package store. I look, it's like, you got it. And I literally walk in the package store and I have a, I start crying. And now you got me tearing up. It's like two days back to back. But you know, it's funny. I'm at a point now where I probably tear up and cry a lot, but it's all tears of joy because mm. like life is good, you yeah. know? But I me really too. do. It, it means a lot for me to say that, or to hear that from you because, you know, it, it was true. You know, like we saw things that you didn't see and, um, you know, the natural talent and it was like, oh, man, if we could just get you to train, if we could just get you to commit a little bit more, get you to see what we see. Like you said, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of my job as a mental performance coach is helping people remove uh, the blind spots. You know, there's things that they can't see that I can see. And it's always just trying to um, show things or phrase things or ask questions. A lot of coaching's questions. You know that. Um, 
you know, the more questions you ask, the more people can gain clarity on where are their blind spots, you know, because a lot of people don't know that there's even limiting beliefs. You know, there's um, I'm not worthy, there's I'm not good enough, and there's mistakes and failure are bad are like the top three, especially mistakes and failure are bad uh, in motocross. You see it a lot, you know, and people are just afraid to make mistakes and the way that they emotionally react and respond to that is is not always ideal. And sometimes they're because of that, they they have the fear of maybe stepping out of their comfort zone or the fear of believing in themselves. And so belief in yourself is a really, really, really powerful thing, you know, because anyone can tell you anything, but it really, all that matters is the conversation that's going on in your mind, more so than the or one the that Or the other person is almost wasting their breath at that point. So it's like, yeah, how do you, you just have to keep trying little things and hoping for that epiphany to happen or that light bulb to go off. I wonder because I want to learn how to be the helper in that situation more effectively. It's hard because everybody's so different and everybody is at like a different level of unconsciousness to some extent. And uh, it's almost like, where do you begin? So for me, can I tell you how we're how I did it? Yeah, because I, I want to know. I also want to hear how you did it. Sure. No, I, I want to hear it because to me, all of a sudden, I start watching some of your videos on Instagram, and then we talk at the gym, and I'm like, this is, who, who is this guy? Because I've always known you've been great. I've always yeah. been a fan. I've always loved you. Yeah, I was always kind-hearted and a good person, but I just was, I was. There was something missing, and yeah. I couldn't figure out how to get you there. And I knew it wasn't time and that you weren't ready for it, you know, because I could just I, I just know when I'm having those conversations. When did you become and I, I always say awake or asleep. It's mm. the same as conscious or uh, unconscious. Mm -hmm. um, when did you become awake? When did you awoken? <laughs> uh, so. I would say like a year and a half ago. I could tell you exactly. Really, I was talking about it on a solo podcast in here by myself very briefly yesterday. I was getting on a plane and for whatever reason, I was listening to a podcast or you watching a YouTube video and, uh, oh, look who just texted me. Oh, that's hey. about, you know, who I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Go I on. wrote it down. I'm glad yeah. I did this because it's so cool to reference back to after the, oh, right here. June 3rd, 2022, buy, think, and grow rich. So <laughs> I was getting onto a plane, watching a podcast or listening listening to a podcast or watching a YouTube and it must, somebody must have been firing on all syllables and I must have been like, all right, this guy, <laughs> this guy's good. Something was resonating. And they said, you have to read this book and to the point where this plane was about to take off and I was losing service. So I just wrote down buy, think, and grow rich. And when the plane landed, I bought it and then read it and read it again and read it again. And for whatever reason, and I wish I could remember a little bit better, for whatever reason, I made, I created an intention before I read it. And I said, I'm gonna read this book as if it is my instruction manual. And I am not gonna, you know, cut corners. I am not gonna say, oh, I don't really like how this thing sounds, so I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna do everything in this book. I don't know why, but I just made that decision. And so then as I read it, uh, I just started checking things off the list, so to speak. Like I just started acting in certain ways and behaving in certain ways. And then I'd read it again and I would understand more. And I'm like, all right, we're getting there. And then I got, then I was addicted. If you go in my house right now, my whole 
fireplace on either side is just bookshelves and just books and books and books and books and books. I read, I don't know, in the last year, I probably read at least 50, I've, 50 books, 75 books. Wow. Yeah. I'd say I'm one a week. Wow. Probably more than that. Uh, and good ones. I mean, like the, the you name them, the best ones, they're all in there and I'll reread them. So I was saying this in the podcast yesterday too. What I do is I have one, I have three books in rotation at all times. <clears throat> one on the nightstand that I read before I go to bed, which right now is Arnold Schwarzenegger, Be Useful, just came out because I've been loving him lately. He's, have you seen his documentary on Netflix? No. Oh, you got to watch it. He's just like a dr manifestation, dreamer, visualization. Like all he talks about is dreams and having a vision. And it's really, really interesting. So his book's great. That's on my nightstand downstairs on the coffee table in front of the fireplace is what I read in the morning. Right now, that one I'm reading for the second time. That's The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle, <laughs> which is really, really, really good. I have a man crush on that guy. Really good. How I have a really cool, when you're done, tell, I have, remind me to tell you an Eckhart Tolle story. That is one of my sickest stories, but go ahead. Oh, I would love to hear it. That guy is crazy. So uh, I read that in the morning. That's a great one to read in the morning because it's all about being present. So what better way to start your day than to read that one in the morning? And then I have one in my backpack that I read when I travel. So that one right now is Relentless by Tim Grover. Yes. Uh, who was Michael, Michael Jordan yep. and Kobe Bryant's guy. Mm -hmm. And that was gifted to me from Matt Flood. So that's first time reading that one. Always have these three books in rotation, always. And uh, I don't even read for long periods of time all the time. Sometimes I'll sit down or I'll be on a flight for four hours. I'll read the whole four hours. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'll read out loud so Allie can hear. She hates it half the time, but I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I read out loud uh, two pages sometimes, but it's just enough. Like I will do it until I kind of create a, that feeling and then I'm like, we're good. And then that's enough. And I'll just put dog ear the page and I'll, I'll put it away. And since I've started doing that, there is no going back. I am like just chipping away at it, chipping away at it, chipping away at it. And there is all of a sudden, there's no such thing as failures or really even you know mistake like you just learn 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 and it's awesome and what it does is it takes away all the pressure because what pressure is there when you're just simply learning and growing all the time and it's so freaking simple the concept once you once you really believe and have faith and like understand that uh but yeah it's really all happened in the last year and a half june 2022 it's wild year and a half. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I hear when I hear you say this is that you manage the most powerful thing that we all, I feel mismanage, which is your focus, energy, and attention. What you focus on expands. If you just remember that, always remember what you focus on expands. Think about this. Uh, I had a bad race. Uh, you know, I thought I was going to be on the podium this past weekend and uh, I ended up 14th, right? If I continue, so that, that experience could be painful. But really what happens is we tend to ruminate. And so what we'll do is we'll replay the movie of what happened. And now all of a sudden pain, which we can't so much control, turns into suffering, which is a choice. Now all of a sudden we're focusing our energy and tension on the past and we're reliving the past. Because if you think about it, and think about it, you, you, you replay something, you feel the emotions that were at the same time that you originally had the experience. And so when you shift your focus 
to something that happened that didn't serve you too well, you'll feel those same emotions again. And really, you know, the end point of any experience is, is an emotion. And so when you feel those emotions again, if you keep going back there, those feelings go from an emotion to a mood. And then if you keep replaying that it's same personality, mood, it goes into your temperament and becomes part of you at, at some point where it's your personality. And then instead of you feeling angry, you become an angry person an angry AJ, you know, or what have you. So I think, you know, there's, there's a lot to unpack from what you just said, but I think, you know, if there was what, if there was just one thing that anyone got from listening to me today, I would love it for them to be, you know, how do you manage your focus, energy, and attention and the way that I usually package that. So it's a little more easy to remember, because I think you're really good at this. Like when I listen to you coach, I love that there's not one word that you use. Like I can't remove a word from what you say because you've like narrowed it down mm, where like you, you could take a 17 word sentence and I feel like you've cut that down to like 11 and you know there's no more chopping and you get right to it. And, and so that makes it memorable. But one of the ways you can do it with the focus, energy and attention is imagine every single day you have five gallons of gas. You wake up in the morning, you have five gallons of gas. I even have an image, sometimes I'll put on my phone, where I see it, I used on mid-journey art, I created it with AI art, and uh, it's just five gallons. And I just say, where have I burnt my fuel? And so you wanna check in with yourself throughout the day. When in the morning, you wanna say, where do I wanna burn my fuel? And then maybe, let's say you wake up at seven, maybe around nine, you can even set an alarm on your phone. Say, hey, where have I been burning my fuel? Basically, where am I? Because don't forget, energy and time is a limited resource in each day. But if you have 24 hours in a day and you sleep for eight, you've got 16 hours, bro. 16 hours. Everyone's like, oh, life is short. Life is short. I don't think so. I think I've been around here forever. I feel like I'm like 200 years old. Like I've had a lot of experiences, but like you've got 16 hours and what you do with it is what defines you eventually. It defines your income. It defines your success. It defines your wealth, your health. Everything is based on that. And so, you know, if you really can check in with yourself and manage those five gallons of gas, um, at the beginning, you'll probably be a little surprised at where you're burning it because a lot of times you burn it on the past. A lot of times you burn it on the future, um, which are both important, but it's like, well, what are you going to do today? Like, what are you going to do today? And a lot of people are always thinking about tomorrow, which is important, but what are you going to do today with your time? And if you manage that, you'd be surprised what happens. Do you have a book? Like how thinking grow rich is kind of my book. Although there's a few others that I can point to is like the power of now one is great too, but do well, you have it. Oh, for sure. And, go and, to. And yes. And I, what I want to tell you one thing that I thought was really funny as I was listening to what you said, this just happened yesterday. Um, I was, and, and this is also kind of a cool story because there's like a learning lesson to it. Um, I was on, I was um, coaching Matt Field who does formula drift. We were trying to win a championship in Irwindale. So I just got back the other night from California on the way to the airport, I was stuck in traffic with the Uber driver. And uh, eh, it was starting to cut it a little bit close with when the flight was going to leave. And so I was aware. And this is how I kind of operate. And this is a good mental game tip. So uh, my self-awareness had kicked in. And I started realizing that I was starting to get stressed about something I couldn't control. The traffic I can't control. Mm -hmm. What time I get there, I can't control. But I can control what I do with that feeling. And I started getting a little anxious. And I said, oh, interesting, Jay. You seem to be getting a little anxious. And I'm like, oh, wonder why. Well, you're kind of worried about whether you're going to make the flight or not. Well, it's kind of out of your control. Do you want to maybe do something more useful with your focus, energy, and attention? Like, I literally had this conversation with myself just yesterday. And I said, yeah. And then, I, and Rob's a big, Rob Klingen's big on this, is I said, how, 
I said, what could I do? And I said, how can I be of service to the Uber driver? Right. And so now instead of it being about me and my stress and my first world problem of whether I'm going to make it to my JetBlue flight, you know, and sitting in the exit row with the extra space, am I going to make that or not? Um, I made it about the driver. And so this is where the tie-in is. So I noticed a lot of things in conversation with him where I'm like, wow, this guy, I kind of like this guy. And I think he's got some opportunities to grow. And guess what I recommended to him? I said, and I, and so we were in the car for 30 minutes. We had like a lot of chat back and forth. I got to learn a lot about him. He learned a little bit about me, but I asked more questions than I talked. And at the end, as we parked in front of JetBlue and he started to get out, I was like, don't get out. I go, I'm going to get my own luggage, you know, because he wanted to pull my luggage out for me and be kind. Mm -hmm. I said, will you, will you do this instead? Can I get my own luggage and pull it out of the back? But can you text yourself something? Would that be okay? He goes, yeah. I go, text yourself. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which is the exact book that you're talking about just yesterday. And I told him, I said, you have to read this every day and you have to commit to it. And I said, you can either do it one of two ways. One, you can read 10 pages a day. Tell me you're going to commit to that. Like, would you commit to that? You know, because I wanted him to verbally commit to me out loud because there's a little bit more power to that. Um, and so I said, would you be willing to commit to reading 10 pages a day? Yes. And I said, I said, say it with a little more conviction. He's like, yeah, no, I'll do it because I know how powerful conviction is. And so he said he's going to do it. And um, it was just pretty wild that you were talking about that. And here I am making that recommendation. That one resonates extremely, extremely well with me. I don't know. If, I don't know why. It just is a really well packaged, like it kind of covers it all. And even though it uses money as a lot of the examples, it's, it's not necessarily money. It's how to, how to kind of like not happiness, but like how to experience joy on a regular basis, really. And that's what you're, if that's what your de defini definition of success is. Some of the other ones get more specific. I'm trying to think of uh, some other ones that I've really, really loved. Um, the power of now one is it's amazing. 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 Just because ultimately that's my saving grace a lot of the time is you can catch yourself and you get really good at it too oh you know another good one uh, honestly one of the best people i listen to is joe dispenza <laughs> yeah is, is yeah. for sure so breaking the habit of being yourself is <laughs> yeah. a really freaking great book too it's a tough read though it is so okay th uh, let's go here then because this is this is my way of doing it and ali says it's a bad way of doing it but i swear it works if i'm effective at it well first of all ali's right but go ahead <laughs> she is right <laughs> She's like, AJ, stop telling people to read books. They're not, <laughs> not going to read books. I'm like, well, no, hang on. I said, the, the books are the answer. I'm like, they really are. The books are the answer, but you got to diagnose. You, you need to be able to prescribe people the right book. Yeah. Because if you, if you give somebody and tell somebody to start with oh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by over. Joe Dispenza, they're going to be like, what, the, game what over. is this? Yes, game over. And they're going to give up. So it's like... Start with one that's simple-ish and then work them into it and have them understand. Like there's some that I've read, um, The Power of Awareness maybe by ne Neville Goddard or there's been some ones that I read oh, and I'm like, holy cow, like it's Neville. a hard, it's a hard read. Yes. And I don't think you want to start people there. So where I start a lot of people, this is where I started my dad, is Mindset by Carol Dweck. 
And yep. it just fixed talks about growth. fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And I, mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really great place to start because that was actually the second book that I read. I read Think and Grow Rich a couple of times. And then I went to Mindset by Carol Dweck. Again, it was somebody on a podcast and they said, what's the most important book you've ever read? They said, Mindset, without question, yeah. is the most important book I've ever read. When I read that, I understood. I'm like, oh man, I am fixed mindset in so many ways. I'm growth mindset in a few ways too, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I am fixed mindset in a lot of ways. And so I slowly started converting all of that thinking over to growth mindset, which is essentially fixed mindset is thinking that you're one way, thinking that you have a, a ceiling on whatever attribute or skill or whatever it is that you're talking about. Uh, where growth mindset is very simple in that you just learn and grow and that it is infinite at how good or how much improvement you could see in one area of your life. I explain that to students when I work with them at class. I'm like, just picture, you know, you're a video game character and you like Mortal Kombat, you have all, you know, speed, strength, agility, <clears throat> and your bars are up on whatever your skill level is. And I said, the way you can think of it is if you just spend time on the things that you struggle with right now, you can increase that bar on that skill level or that attribute forever. Like you could just keep getting better and better and better and better at that one thing, better and better and better at that one thing. And I'm like, as it talked about giving praise and I, I listened to um, Andrew Huberman this morning and he was talking about the studies that have been shown when you praise children in two different ways. One, you praise them based on intelligence and skill versus praising them on hard work and effort and the when being praised on skill and talent and intelligence their <clears throat> workload or their um their results went down and when you praise somebody on hard work they're they, they got better and their whatever went up um, and that was it for me. Everybody always told me I was always up and for, it still happens, but now I just don't believe in talent, but I was always told you are the most talented person on a dirt bike. You are so talented. You are, you were around me enough to see, you probably even said at a time or two, so many people, you're so talented. You're so talented. And what that does is it creates kind of like, uh, defensiveness to where you have to prove now to everybody, including yourself, that you are talented. So what does that include? That includes not working hard because if you work hard, well, you're not talented enough. Uh, it includes not making mistakes because if you were talented enough, you wouldn't make mistakes. And all of these things where I'm like, that's me. That is completely me. I was told I was the smartest kid ever. I was told I was uh, talented. All of the things that it's like, oh, okay. I, I was made to believe that. And then I felt the need to defend it. So anyways, I start, I started my dad with mindset and, great. and then the second book I gave him and he's reading it now is think like a monk by Jay, Jay Shetty, Shetty. Uh, which is a great one too. And I think an easy enough read to just sort of start to kind of be aware and understand, uh, some things, but that's why I told my dad, he's like, yeah, I'm retiring. You just retired. Uh, four weeks ago now and he's 70 and I'm like all right well t you know a couple options here one you could just 
you just retired, so you could just die like a lot of people do. <laughs> And can, because your life is considered over and what, what are you going to do now? Or you've got 30 good, great years left. And I'm like, you could just completely change as a person and practice these next three to five years and really start getting to a higher level. And then that those last 25 years, like be loving life. So now I've got him reading, <laughs> reading the books, but I, I was trying to strategize and how do I give him the right books at the right time? Cause I don't want him to scare him away. Yeah. And, and I mean, <clears throat> so there's a couple things to that. One is, and I think this is why you read Think and Grow Rich a couple times, is when each time you read a book, you're you're going to be in a different place in your life. You could be struggling. You could be on top of the world. You, you could have issues with a relationship. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's wealth. But each and every time you read a book like Think and Grow Rich or even just hear any advice from anyone, a lot of it depends on where you at at that time. And so what's mm -hmm. interesting is you can read a book and see and hear one thing one time, but yet read it completely another time. And then you pick up something where you're like, wow, I, I, I didn't even see this. Well, is it really that you didn't see it or is it just at the time it wasn't something close enough to you that could provide value? So that's an interesting thing. Um, I think an important thing, and this is really important, and this I learned from a guy named Myron Golden, who um, I think you might enjoy listening to him. He's more of like a He's definitely mindset. He's a he's a little I'm I'm spiritual, but he's a little more towards like religious. But um I love the way he thinks and I love the way he talks. And one thing that he shared that is important when it comes to taking uh the information you get from books to actually turn into action is <clears throat> and I always look at this as there's like three stages to things. I think you might even call it four, but I, I kind of broke it down to three. First, there's knowledge, right? You read a book, you're gaining knowledge. Okay. I think a lot of people stop there. If I had to guess, I would say 80 to 90%, no, probably 90 plus percent of people will read a book, feel like they've now attained knowledge and they're good, but that's not true. Um, so reading something once, let's call it knowledge. Now, there, a next level to that is understanding. So it's like, it's you actually pondering the information you received. It's imagining what you can do with it. It's imagining mistakes that you've made because you haven't used the information. It's imagining some outcomes that might change if you do use the information. So it's just a little bit more of like a deeper level to the information, but you're still not there yet. And then the next is the next level is assimilation, which is the information actually becomes a part of who you are. It's it's you, like it's just how you do things. And so I think people need to realize that even if we bring it to like the Moto Academy and we bring it into writing, um, not just books, but I mean, you know, I think a lot of times people might come to a class and they say, oh, well, AJ told me to do this and do that. Okay, fine. And that's important. And that is the first step, but you've got to apply it. And that's why you got to get the reps in and you've got to really make things part of your identity because until something is a part of who you are, like right now, I think you'd be confident in saying that you know, I I am a businessman, right? Could you say that and be confident that, yeah. with that? Okay. Could you also say I'm a reader, an avid reader, yep. right? But someone who the first time you read a book, you were an avid reader. Second time you read a book, you were an avid reader. The third book you read, you weren't an avid reader. There comes a point where you go from the experience being like outside of you kind of into like internalizing it. And you're like, I am. And th that's where you want to get, but that's also where you need to watch out for. Because let's say that you were ang you um, experienced anger this morning, something went wrong or what have you. 
you don't want to say I'm angry because that's deep. That's identity that you start to identify with things. You have to be careful, especially emotions. So you experienced anger, you felt anger. So you start to realize that identity is really, you know, imagine like a pyramid at the bottom of that pyramid. Anyone I'm coaching, I always show them a period where it's a, a pyramid where at the bottom it's identity. This is like the foundation of everything is who do you believe you are, you know, and you can create the belief to, for you to be anyone you want to be. Like if you want, let's say that you've never written before and you're like, I want to be a writer. Well, what? Are, let me ask you this. What do writers do? Not writer, like R-I-D-E-R, but writer, people that are writing. What what do, what do writers do? Like just don't even overthink it. What do writers right. do? Yes. So writers write. So if you want to become a writer, what should you do? Right. Yeah. And just consistently do it. And if you do it long enough, you'll be, well, I'm not much of a writer. I'm not much of a writer. Okay, keep writing. Well, you know, I write on occasion, but I'm not really a writer. Keep writing. Write, 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 write. There's a point where all of a sudden you're like, I am a writer, <laughs> you know? And so I think it's really interesting to to consider that, you know, because I think a lot of people fall short with some of the things they want to achieve in life because they just don't get the reps in, you know? You got to get the reps in because what the reps are it's doing easy is- to give. I, that was me. Yeah. That you, was me for my whole life up until I was 30 years old is mm -hmm. I would- something would kind of resonate or sink in a little bit and I'd be like, all right, yeah, we're going to go for it. Let's set a goal. Let's do this. And I kind of put it on the fact that I was setting all kind of shorter term goals and then like, let's say a year. And then within that year, I would see myself creeping up on that goal and or that timeline. And I wasn't close to that goal yet. And then I would just be like, ah, I'm not going to get it. And so I'd start making little excuses in my head and cutting corners and this and that. And then I'd start over from scratch and set a new goal that was either kind of in line with that one or could have been something completely different. And I'd start again. And then I'd reach the end of that timeline and I'd be like, oh, crap, I'm not going to get it. OK, I read route. I would reroute. So there was no compounding. There was no actual building because I was just chasing short term, you know, gratification, really. And I couldn't understand the fact that if I just kept going I could accomplish whatever I wanted to, but I was so stressed out about the current moment. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And I guess that that's very common, right? And I, I just experienced it with one of our past employees is they couldn't see far enough into the future because they were so worried about, I could see it for them. I could totally see it for them, but they couldn't see it themselves because they were so caught up in the moment uh, and not even the moment, but like the next week, the next two weeks, the next month, the next six months, that it felt impossible. It felt like an impossible mountain for them to climb. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Instead of I just go, I just go right to the end. And then that's it. I just see that vision. Like mm -hmm. I, Moto Academy will be the biggest brand in motocross. I mean, it, it's, I don't even want to say will be because I will continue to keep keeping it in the future. But Moto Academy's, well on its way to being the biggest brand in motocross i will be the most famous person in motocross there's i could go in my notes and re, i'll be in the motocross hall of fame there all of which i'm going to win a supercross championship by 2028 um i could go on and on and on all of these things will happen and if they don't i'm going to get pretty darn close to those and then i'm going to be able to check in with myself five years down the road seven years down the road ten years down the road and be like holy crap just because I just set that bar higher in my head, look at what I was able to accomplish.
instead of setting that bar low because you think it's realistic and then still coming up short of that bar, then you end up in shit. <laughs> it's like just set the bar. That's kind of my how I do it. And I don't have expectations. I detach from it completely. That's the key. And I just keep working towards it. If you attach to it and you're emotional about it and you just like, you want it, want it, want it, want it so bad, then you're never going to get it because you realize you don't have it. Yes. For that, me, it's like, I've got it. Yes. I tell Allie that every day. I'm like, Allie, look at around, look at the neighborhood we live in. Like, look, we own multiple houses. We we're living the absolute dream. She's quitting her job when she has the baby. Like, I mean, people would kill to be in our shoes. And yet you're still stressing about we're not making enough money. That Why is that a stress? I'm like, we could sell this house. We could sell the Florida house. We could move into Virginia. I'm like, shoot, we can move into this van. Shoot, we could sell the van and move in with my mom and we would still be happy. Yeah. And, and, so, and so think about what you just said, because you said something interesting, which is you, you talked about how at one moment, if you just think about the problem, what happens? You feel stressed and then you get in what I call the vortex. And then what you do is you're not looking for solutions because you're you continue to marinate in the in the stress of the problem. And then you just think about the problem, the problem. It's like, oh, my God, we don't have money. Oh, my God, I can't afford this. I can't afford that. And so you kind of become very myopic in, in what you're seeing and, and you're only seeing the problem. And then that's causing the vortexes to be thinking about the problem and then feeling the stress of the problem. And then the stress of the problem makes you go back to thinking about the problem. And then you're in the vortex. What you did to get out of the vortex is you did something that's so simple, but yet not everyone does it, which is, oh, wait, let's be curious. Let's get some clarity on some things that we could do. You know, ask yourself some questions. Could we sell this house? Yeah, we could. All right. Well, if we did, let's gain some. So first, the power of curiosity, questions, ask yourself questions to get out of the vortex. You know, what got me into the vortex? Why am I feeling stressed? What would be something I could think about that wouldn't? What is a solution to this problem? What are five solutions to this problem? And then once you start down that road, you start to shift your focus towards the solution. Now, all of a sudden, the stress of the situation decreases because now you're thinking and feeling from the solution, which is Neville Goddard's, you know, feeling is the secret. You're, you're thinking and feeling from the end, like the solution instead of being caught up in the vortex of the problem yeah and then your body doesn't know the difference no and and so right? whether it's happening or not like as long as you're feeling that way so yeah I, I guess i've just done a good job in these last few years of <clears throat> when my mind starts to go a certain way or when things are actually happening that could be perceived as not good mm -hmm. i am able to very quickly get to the root of what it is and then silence those thoughts and either just be really still and just be present which i'm i've become very good at mm -hmm. or just projecting and thinking into the the future far into the future to the point where like i'm i get that feeling of gratitude and joy just from like visualizing that moment so vividly that it's able to pull me out of whatever program yeah. And I think one thing that you were kind of starting to dance around with is Dr. the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza is there's not much of a difference between that which is real and that which is imagined. And of course, the, the classic example to that is, you know, if I could get you to really pay attention and like, let's say you were listening to this right now and I said, all right, close your eyes. I just handed you a lemon. Right. And you take that lemon. I want you to cut it in half, you know, feel the ridges of the lemon. Then all of a sudden I want you to take that lemon, take the half that you just took. I want you to put it towards your mouth 
mouth and I want you to take a big deep breath and like smell it. Now what I want you to do is open your mouth as wide as possible and just bite into that tart, you know, lemon. And even just as I'm telling you the story, like I'm salivating, but I'm not really biting into the lemon. Right. And so that's a classic example that is used to let people know that, wow, I didn't bite into the lemon, but I just kind of had a little bit of like a tart tangy sensation and I salivated. Okay. There's the proof that there's not much of a, uh, of a difference between that, which is imagined and that, which is real. That's why we have VR headsets that, you know, the drivers F1 drivers use to train, you know, they're not really right on the track, but guess what? They're pruning and they're, they're working on their, their nervous system to, to create synapses as if it were real. And so you use that same thought process for getting to hitting targets and hitting goals, right? Because if all of a sudden, and I want to talk about the difference between targets and goals, because it's important for, this is a big one, but think about this. Let's say that I want to achieve something. If I want to get away from the doubt and the feelings that I have of doubt, um, and, uh, the feelings I have a resistance to that, or maybe the stress to achieving the thing, then you think from the end. Because if all of a sudden I can start to imagine, like like with you, you said you want to win a championship. Okay, well, imagine what it's like. What's it going to feel like on the podium? What's it going to feel like? So feeling is the secret, which, is, which by the way, if you want a book, feeling is the secret, Neville Goddard, amazing book. Mm. And it is the key. Everything comes down to your nervous system and emotions, in my opinion. That's why I created the Vibe Mindset, is because I wanted people to know that there is this thing called Vibe, and it's basically just a vibrational frequency. And, there, and it's really, I want to dive more into that. We'll in dive more into that. But so the key thing is, if you're ever stuck, you always want to think and feel from the end. Like when I work with athletes, like I have one athlete, Amber Balkin, who races like uh, at, um, like NASCAR type stuff. Mm -hmm. And her and I, I, on a Monday, I'll send her a message and I go, let's think from the end. It's Friday, it's 7 p.m. What experience do you want? Like how, when you reflect back on your week, what do you want to feel? What experience do you want to have? We always start from the end and then come backwards. Oh, so that's funny. That's what I was doing, I guess, instinctively sort of. I don't know who taught me to do that, but that was just sort of a strategy that I would use. Yeah, and it probably was Neville Goddard's work. It could have been a little bit of Joe Dispenza's. Um, but I want I want to cover something that's really really important, and you you were talking about it, which is goals versus targets. And so a goal, think about a goal. Let's say that um, recently I lost some weight. Let's say that I wanted to get to actually I did want to get to like two thirty, mm. right? So I'd say I want to get to two thirty by next month, the beginning November first. Let's say, well, let's say that I'm two forty five, or whatever, right? And let's say that the goal, so I'm 245, let's say I'm gonna get to 230, well, by a certain date. Well, now all of a sudden I look at that date, if the date has arrived, mm -hmm. and I step on the scale, I'm a little bit nervous, I know I'm close, and I'm like, did I get to 230, which was my goal, right? I get on the scale, I'm 231. What happens next? Well, did you meet the goal, yes or no? Your goal was 230. You didn't hit the goal. You failed, you lost, you suck. You didn't achieve it. You, you, you came up short, bro. And then you start going down this whole rabbit hole. Well, I could have done this. I should have done that. Maybe I should have went out to dinner last night. I should have fasted for a day. Well, hold up. Goals are black and white. You either hit them or you don't. But think about how that can affect you in a negative way. Because I lost, you know, 14 pounds. I wanted to lose 15, but I lost 14. Is that not success? Is that not good? And so that's why I like to, with my athletes, I always mention targets. Because think about a target, right? let's say that we're doing archery and we're doing archery. You and I are in your backyard and we're shooting arrows. Uh, we, 
you've got the bullseye in the middle and then you got all the rings. Let's say there's five rings that go out and let's just say two hit the yard, one hits bear, you know, and then, and then maybe like one's kind of in the middle, right? But you're not really near the bullseye. Okay. So your target, so, so your target is to hit the bullseye. Um, however, you practice for about two, three hours. You and I watch some YouTube videos. We go back, we actually start getting better. I noticed something that you were doing wrong. You notice something I'm doing wrong. We both improve dramatically. However, Final round, we say, all right, dude, hey, this is it. It's getting dark. Let's wrap it up. Last time, let's see if we can get all five arrows in the bullseye. Well, none of them go in the bullseye, but we pepper the hell just outside of the bullseye. When you think of it that way, you're like, wow, I really progressed. Like the the the, the arrows were over here for a while, and now they're kind of a lot more centered. There's a little bit more compassion and a little bit more flexibility with a target because it invites you to not be so black and white, but it makes you say, wow, look, we aim for the target. We didn't hit it, but we had something to aim for. It was a little aggressive that we wanted to hit five in one day, but you know what? Good job. So there's, in my mind, it's a little bit more flexibility. That's between interesting. A I like that way of looking at it. The book I just read, Psycho-Cybernetics, uh, is really a good one. And yeah. what it, that book does is it just talks about your subconscious as it's a computer program. And you can reference it as whatever you want to reference it to as a success mechanism, success mechanism, creative mechanism. It could be a failure mechanism if you use it the wrong way. But any computer, any program uses, I forget the term, but it's some sort of correction to where it will try something and then if it doesn't work, it will kind of correct itself and continue on. And so it uses negative feedback to be able to get to where it needs to go and figure things out. If you look at it as a target instead of a goal, it kind of brings you on the growth mindset path of negative. You can use the negative feedback. If you go to hit the target and you've, hit the yard. Oh, okay. Well, I just aim a little bit more left. Okay. Now we've got a little bit. Oh, now we've overcorrected. Okay. Now we can. And eventually by the end of the night, you're zeroing in on the, on that target. So yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Cause you can set the target super, super, super high at that point, And then just use that <clears throat> negative feedback and use that growth mindset and just keep chipping away at it. And eventually you don't have to get it. That's not the important part, but you, like pursuing it, you'll end up, you'll end up somewhere near it. Yeah. And think about what you just said too. You're also talking about process versus outcome, mm -hmm. right? And, and when sports with any of the athletes I work with, whether it's pro golf, I have an MMA, uh, motor sports, everyone that initially starts working with me is always hyper-focused on a result, on an outcome. But then the whole thing is once, if you're always focused on a result, once you achieve the result, what happens next? Let's say all of a sudden you win a race. Oh, you know, everyone's always says you're as good as your last race. Oh, I wanted this one experience so bad. I experience it and then boom, onto the next, onto the next. So it's like, here we are like chasing this thing that is like this blink in time where we have this little dopamine hit. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm on to the next. And so it's a reminder that um, if we focus on results too much, we tend to put a little bit of pressure on ourselves. We tend to have expectations. And, and we're also not realizing that Focusing your energy attention on a result is like me thinking about like, God, I want to get to Boston. I want to get to Boston. I want to get to Boston. You haven't even spent any time thinking about how you're going to get there. You don't even have a car. Why don't you think about that? Why don't you think about whether you're going to go backwards or highway? Like who are you bringing? Right. And so, so many of us focus way too much time and energy and attention on the result when really you want to focus on the process because a lot of times results are out of your control. Like think about it. Let's say that you do win a race. Well, Maybe Chase Sexton crashed 
Maybe. I know that's a big maybe, but let's say he crashed out. Let's say something happened. Let's say your bike blew up. Let's say, there's so many things out of your control when it comes to a result, especially in racing. But what's within your control? It's how you prepare, how you train. It's what, you know, what, what's your nutrition like? What's your fundamentals like? You know, um, there's so many things that are within your control within the process. And not only that, are they important, but they're also replicable because once you, it's almost like standard operating procedures in a business. It's like, all right, Hey, this is how I approach things. When I wake up, I do this. Then I do that. Like you, you even have like your own personal standard operating, operating procedure with how you, you know, you read your book in the morning, then mm -hmm. you read at night. And it's like this habitual pattern is really the secret sauce to success is to focus on that when everyone else is just like, Oh yeah, you know, I just want to focus on results. Cause you listen to these people in the interviews, post-race press conferences. And it's like, Oh, how, how'd your race go? Oh, I got 12th. I got six. That doesn't tell me anything. You know, did, did you crash in turn one and then came back and then crashed two more times and then got 12th? Out of 40 guys, 42, you know, I'd be impressed with that. But, you know, if you don't talk about the how and you don't spend time there, I think a lot of people miss that and they don't realize the value in that. They just focus on results. I've realized that in what just I've realized how not many people at the pro level in racing have it figured out. No. Honestly, I could easily count on just less than one hand. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, less than one hand. Maybe, yeah. even, maybe even count on one finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Lawrences are 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 really a good example of it. Their whole family unit, the Deegan, the Deegan family is a really good example of it. And every time you listen to them talk, it's it's always just about learning, and you could just hear it. It's like they drop little like uh, golden nuggets all the time. Other than that, you don't hear it from Sexton. You hear very actually normal person, low level thinking kind of conversations from Sexton. Oh yeah, you, do you want to know? I got to tell you this story. I was messaging Chase at one point, thinking that I knew I could help him out. I bumped into his dad at Daytona Supercross like two years ago. And I was just like, cause I knew there was some resistance, the mental performance coaching. There's a lot of like resistance to it. There's, there's a stigma. I asked his dad one simple question, Chase Sexton's dad. I forget his first name. What is it? Whatever. I don't know. Either way, Chase Sexton's dad. Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. I go, what do you and Chase do to train for like optimize your mental game because i believe that you know sports are 80 to 90 percent mental guess what his response was it's two words i'll give you that hint we just ride. ride just ride oh great how's that working for you like you know no disrespect well if to... you could if you were elevated enough to just think of it that way and think just ride but yeah, that's the, the problem. Is that's yeah, yeah, there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there is some. I mean, the whole idea. So there, there is some good to that, which is uh -huh. you know when you do compete, you don't need to think about competing. You just ride, and that is advice that I do, I'll <laughs> give people. So I kind of get it, but it's like, but that's um, probably not what he meant. That's probably not what he meant. Yeah, yeah, there should be intention, and hopefully, maybe there is more now. That was when two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago. But there's a lot of resistance to it, man. I'll tell why? you. Why? It just uh, well, I know why. It's because unless you have began to start to figure it out and to be more conscious, you don't understand. And the conversation, like that, I guess when people listen to this, it's going to go over most everyone's head, and the people it resonates with are going to love it. The people that don't understand it at all are going to be bored by it because they're just like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, because think about it. There's people listening to this podcast right now, which we love them all. Hello. Um, Shout however, out Driver Jamie. Driver yep. Jamie's oh, elevating dude, I, lately. Dude, I like that guy. He's, he's been reading. Vibe. He's been reading books. Really? Oh, yeah. He's fully you got him committed. Hooked. Yeah. So, so think about this. 
there's people that, so let's say there's, you know, people listening to this podcast, there's people that are multitasking right now that are doing this while they're doing something else. So they're not giving it the full attention, which is fine. And all of this is fine, but you have to ask yourself how much value are they getting out of this podcast? Are they meaning, are they going to turn knowledge into understanding and understanding into assimilation? Like we talked about earlier. Um, there's other people that, and shout out to you people who are actually sitting here being super like, whoa, this is something I need to pay attention to. Like these two men are are vibing on a topic and look at AJ's you know progression. My progression with my business has been insane. I created a business that was originally had two clients at $67 a month. Do the math on that. What's that 134 a month? <laughs> at, when I did the Tyler Bauer class with you, yeah. um, I had two clients out of that. That was when I started my mental performance. Career. I was making 134 a month. I'm making six figures a year now with that same business I started with you. So if you have two men that have had this level of growth in a relatively short period of time, should you maybe consider the idea of maybe taking one note, maybe just buying one book, maybe just buying. That would be my rich. advice. Yes. Or that's how I would listen to this podcast because that's where it started for me. It was listening. And then when somebody would recommend to do something instead of just being like, oh, yeah, that'd be good idea. That'd be a good thing to do. Yeah. Do it. Just do it. Order the book. Order Think and Grow Rich. Just get all these books right now. <laughs> Think and Grow Rich. Power of Now. Maybe don't start with that one. Psycho-Cybernetics is actually, believe it or not, a pretty easy read, yeah, I thought. Yeah, I think it's a great second one. Uh, that was a really, really good one. Mindset by Carol Dweck. Great yeah. one. Even just those three. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I recommend, if you're not, I, I actually struggled with reading when I was young. And so one thing that I do, and you should test this one out, is when I read... I, I don't I don't have a time um, limit. I don't say, hey, I'm going to read a chapter. I don't say I'm going to read 10 pages. What I do is I read until I find a nugget. Now, so sometimes I'll actually literally read one page. And if I hit a nugget, I'm done reading. Because the whole idea is not to be like, oh, I read 10 pages. I, like a, I'm not looking for a result or an outcome that is distance-based. Like I'm not just like, oh, I read 30 pages. Who cares? That's like doing a 30-minute moto. If you did a 30-minute moto, what does that even mean? You just rode your bike for 30 minutes. I, anyone could do a 30 minute moto. Your dad's retired. He could do a 30 minute moto. It just, you know, just go slow. So like everyone talks about like time and, and distance and results. But the reality is, is like, what are you doing with a nugget? And then what I'll do is I'll sit there, I'll write down the nugget and I might even like disconnect, walk, walk around in circles with the nugget. Cause I find like, if I walk around in circles, I kind of get in like a, like a little bit of a flow in a zone. And mm. I'll think about how can I apply this knowledge and turn it into understanding or assimilation. And I always go through that. That's part of my standard operating. So you walk a I lot, right? All the time. Yeah. I was just reading a book that said that Albert Einstein, a bunch of guys, like they would talk about the power of just going for walks and how all their ideas would come from that. When I uh, read, I use it as a brainstorming tool in a sense. So I, and some, it takes different amounts of time every single time. Mm -hmm. Could take three hours, could take three minutes. I will read and begin to start creating a feel, the, the, a feeling. So if uh, we can kind of maybe use this as a segue to talk about vibe mindset and just different frequencies, I am going into a different like wavelength, quite literally. And I'm working through those as I'm reading and I'll get to a certain point to where I will close the book and close my eyes and then just start creating and working on and kind of redefining of whatever vision, whatever pops in my mind. It's usually something, it could be business related, it could be um, just creation of my life, it just what it, whatever it is. And I'll just close my eyes and I will be able to really, really see it clear as day, clear as day. And 
while in whatever you know alpha whatever brain state i'm in to where like my body's believing that that's happening and I'm, i'll be in it for a little bit whether it's a minute five minutes ten minutes then when that ends just naturally let it end i'll open the book up and i'll just keep reading and i'll and then it'll happen again <laughs> close my book again and i do this on the plane i'll be on the plane for five hours flying coast to coast and I'll, that's just my process and through that i will have ideas like I'll, I'll have actually creative ideas that will pop up that haven't existed yet some of it is redefining and creating a vision that i've been working on for a while um you know whether it's like flying and landing my own plane in you know h whatever this airport's called and driving home overshooting this house making a little further up the hill like whatever it is uh or if it's like holy crap and an idea just spontaneously popped in my head then i have my pen and i'm just writing it down i'll write it right on the book on the page and then i'll put a date next to what i wrote down as well and that's just kind of that's my reading process it's bizarre i guess but it's it's well there's actually science to back it up. I mean, because when you get into, so we talk about brainwave states. So you have like, th you have theta, alpha, you have beta. So beta is like awake. Alpha, theta is starting to like get to where your subconscious mind is a little more open. And I think delta is more like sleep. But one of the most powerful things you can do, you should actually try this. I, I did it. The first like couple nights I did it, it didn't do a thing. And then all of a sudden it hit. And I was like, I was actually freaked out. Like in a cool way, but also a little bit like, whoa, like, am I doing like witchcraft here or something? <laughs> like, I didn't know. Um, so there's two times. If, if there were two times, if you told me you give me 10 minutes a day, you said, Jay, tell you what, I, I'm going to work with you. You only got 10 minutes of my time a day. That's all I'm going to give you. I would say, okay, give me five minutes at night, right before you go to sleep, not before you go to bed, but I'm talking you're in bed, lights out. I'll tell you what you can do there. And then also the same thing when you wake up, mm -hmm. talking about at night. And it starts with that night. Because believe it or not, your day today, the most powerful way that you can influence today was actually, in my opinion, based on how you spent the last five minutes last night. So we talk about brainwave states. As you start to kind of sit in bed and your eyes are closed and you're kind of relaxed and you're not like falling asleep yet, but you, you know you're going to be out soon. If the, the flow that I have is I gently start thinking about the highlight of my day and I go into an emotional state of gratitude. It's a receiving emotion. It's almost like putting up an antenna and just like turning on your radio. And I don't know, don't ask me to explain this because it's a little wild and it's maybe spiritual. Maybe if you're into religion, I don't know what happens. But if you get into that right at that sweet spot where you're about to fall asleep, but it's you're in the emotional state of gratitude and maybe there's something that you put, I call it like a gentle focus. Like it's a gentle thought or maybe it's a question. Maybe it's like, you know, I just need to know what to do with my business, you know, or, or I'm excited to like understand, you know, the next move I should make, you know, do I buy house A or house B? Maybe you're make, trying to make a decision, whatever it is. If you go into emotional state of gratitude, bring in a little bit of curiosity, maybe a question or some sort of gentle focus somewhere that you want, even if it's just like, what do I do with my life? You do it not through stress, but you do it in emotional state of gratitude. I swear to you, it doesn't happen every single time, but you're going to have a moment where if you're consistent with it, all of a sudden you're going to wake up and I swear to God, you wake up with the answers. It's almost like you talk to someone 
you know, it's almost like there's some sort of energy or collective consciousness. I like to call it collective consciousness because mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, there's 3,000 religions. I don't know which one to choose. So I have chosen none. Uh-huh. Um, and also, I dated a girl who had a brother as a, who was a preacher and he used to call me Satan's child because I would never go to church on Sunday. So I'm like, all right, I'm not doing that religion for a little bit. <laughs> um, but, anyways, so you really start to realize that what you're doing is you're accessing the subconscious mind and the power of the subconscious mind. And you'd be surprised how the answers are there. But you have to put the antenna up to receive the answers. And so you can do that and you can also do it in the morning. But if people just started it in the in the evening, I'm yeah. telling you, it's a That's mega. when I tell people to read and to, yeah, you make the change at night before you fall asleep. You make it in the, because you're in a more, this is what I've learned, you, you're in a more suggestible brain yes. state. So like when like you're hypnosis. kind of crossing through into theta and into yeah. delta, uh, like falling asleep, that's when you can access your subconscious and start to actually, you know, create change, change oh, some sure. programs in there. And then all of a sudden you go to sleep, you wake up and it's like you have the answer all of a sudden. So, uh, yeah, if you were to get hypnotized, that's the goal is to try to get you down through theta mm-hmm. kids. And this is a lot of reason I've been reading and trying to learn as much as I can. Kids for the first however many years Seven of their years. life. Seven are in that brain state only, which means that they are suggestible to anything and everything, good, bad, yes. everything in between. It's just like you hit a record button and then it's just piling it all in. There's nothing being able to filter that coming in. So, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. It is crazy. And that's why when you think about it, think about the things that hold you back. If you really go deep and you think about the things that hold you back or some of the mistakes you've made in your life, um, or patterns rather, I should say, not so much mistakes, but maybe more patterns, a lot of times it will trace back to something way, way back. Like there was this guy, he passed away, but his name was uh, Morty Lefko, and he talked a lot about this. And he's just like, yeah, he goes, there's some people that literally um, the shame and guilt they felt from the mistake. Like, let's say, for example, you're, you're five and your parents say, don't touch the cookie jar. And you're like, don't touch, don't, whatever you do, don't touch the cookie jar. You grab the cookie jar, right? And they told you not to grab it. You got up on a stool, you grab it. What happens? It's made of glass. You drop it, it crashes. Now all of a sudden your dad goes, I told you not. And there's a lot of shame and guilt and humiliation. And you, you all of a sudden, because you're only five, you don't take it as I broke the, the cookie jar and I made a mistake. You take it as I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. My father doesn't love me. And now all of a sudden you feel like you've been like cast out from the family. Now you're not consciously thinking this, but sometimes people will go through an experience like that, that has nothing to do, you would think, um, with their future. But then all of a sudden the future, maybe they think mistakes and failure are bad. One of the limiting beliefs I mentioned earlier, maybe they think they're not worthy because now all of a sudden they feel like their father doesn't love them. So they're, they have low self-worth and Morty used to say, yeah, he goes, I can trace it back to when someone was zero to seven years old. Well, obviously zero, you're not going to know much, but let's say five, six, seven years old, sometimes up to 10. And there'll be some sort of emotionally charged experience that you misinterpreted. Right. Mm -hmm. And that shaped your whole entire future with a limiting belief. It's wild to think. It is. It is. And it's nobody is an exception to that either. Everybody's perception of what their life is and who they are was based on all of their experiences in usually in a lot of circumstances, primarily those years. Because what happens with people also is that they go through school, learn very limited sometimes, and then 
when school is over, a lot of people's learning and education stops there. So then they're just playing the programs and practicing the programs of the past over and over and over. And it's not that you can never change. It just, you've practiced doing one thing one way for a long period of time. And it just, you have to just create new habits. And the most effective way of doing that without a doubt is before you go to sleep at night, it's right when you wake up in the morning. Before you go to sleep at night, for me, I both I both are of equal importance to me. I feel like going to sleep at night um, is a big one because then it would also affect your sleep. A lot of people yeah. have insomnia and don't sleep well because they're going to bed with their minds racing. Yes, that does not. I I go to sleep almost like on command. <laughs> I go through my process uh, and I go right to sleep. And I sleep like a baby. I sleep 10 hours a night. I wake up, no alarm, and walk down, don't go on my phone, walk downstairs. Uh, I'll bring my phone with me downstairs. It won't even look at you. I always, I keep it upside down and in the far end of the nightstand. And when I get up in the morning, I unplug it. I grab my element bottle. I grab my phone. I keep it upside down. I walk downstairs. I put it in the far corner of the kitchen island. So like I can't see it still upside down. And then I'll drink a full bottle of my salt water, which is quite nice. I've, now that it's getting cold, I'll start a fire, which my wood's wet, so fires aren't going too well lately. <laughs> Sit by the fire, read out loud for a little bit. And then what we've been doing lately is we go down the street to Cotton Hollow and we'll go cold plunge. <sighs> and then we come back, have breakfast, and then I'll get on my phone at that point. And it's usually 9.30 or 10 o'clock by that point. Uh, so I'm not on my phone for that first hour and a half, two hours of the day, which is extremely important because there was a couple of years there where when I was starting to gain momentum and the business was starting to fire off, that was the first thing I did. It was the last thing I would do before I go to alley would be sleeping. I'd be sitting there doing something on my phone. It was the last thing I thought about before I went to bed. And then I'd wake up in the morning to an alarm. I'd wake up, grab it, and I'd be go, go, go. That's not it helping you at all it's not you'll never be able to change if that's what you're doing and you, yeah and you just described probably no joke 95 percent of people yeah and i would i would challenge Makes me you. stressed out just thinking about how that felt in the time period that i was doing that i would challenge you on you're... one thing that i think you could do oh. why not just leave the phone in the kitchen i i do not let my phone why my... do i bring it upstairs there's a reason for it just in case something happens, just in case. Well, it's where my reach. charger is, but that's just by habit. I could change the location yes. of the charger. Um, Put it into the bath and the. In the times I need the alarm for when I'm getting on a flight, but that doesn't happen really. My flights are always so late now. Yeah. Um, you should think. Yeah, about there's it. no reason for it to be yeah. up in the room. Try it just to see, because yeah. I think there's it just even just knowing it's there. I think every now and then throughout the night, it probably beeps and does things that probably subconsciously or who knows energetically might affect you. But I mean, I, that's what I do. Um, you leave so it I leave downstairs. It, uh, I put it as far away as I can. So with me, it's uh, it's on the other side of the house. Okay. Yeah, I'll start doing that. Yeah, try that. And and for the one time that you know you need it with you, bring it with you. You actually. I don't um, think I would. Well, you what? Just making sure we're still recording. I don't see a reason where I would, other than setting an alarm for getting up for a flight. Yeah. Oh, one book came to my mind as I was listening to you, and it's also a topic we should briefly go over because it's super powerful and we it's a perfect transition. Uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, I keep thinking about 
about getting it? Yeah, yes. All right, order you, it right you order it. Um, so let's talk about habits real quick. So this is super, super powerful. Uh, the habit loop. Habit loop is very, very simple. Think of it as three things. Some people will say it's four, but um, think of cue, which is like a trigger or a reminder. And then you think about a behavior and then you think about the reward, right? So like, let's say, for example, I want to create the habit of drinking uh, a glass of water with lemon every morning, right? Sounds simple, but it, you start to realize how powerful and how automated we all are. So let's say that I wanna create that habit. Well, I need to trigger a reminder. So what do I do? Well, maybe make something like a visual reminders are the best. So maybe what you'll do is you'll go to, um, you'll go to the kitchen and you'll actually have your lemon out on the kitchen table and you'll already have your glass out and you know you make it so it's a very visible reminder right mm -hmm. sorry so, i know this is distracting no no problem trying to and find so, a hardcover <laughs> and so uh aj's uh already on this atomic habits with james clear so you'll love it he's also got a great email series if you go to jamesclear.com so this is a newer email. ish book he's still alive he's mega alive dude he's okay. like younger than me yeah oh, i mean wow. he, i'm more dead than him for sure so um so let's talk about it. so back to habits so this is the habit loop we're talking about so you have that that visual trigger some sort of reminder mm -hmm. and then you have the behavior which is obviously the simple thing it's doing the thing so it's like oh okay yeah now i see the the lemon in the water that's a reminder to me that i should make my lemon water and drink it okay good and then there needs to be some sort of reward right and so the reward could be you imagining that you did something healthy for your body you could even be super present and like taste that water going down or feel it going down your throat whatever it is but the habit loop starts with a trigger and a reminder which is really really powerful you know like for me um i got in shape by doing hit workouts every morning and i said i said the only thing i have to do i said i don't care how long the workout is i can work out for one minute if i want i said but the catch is that i have to work out every single morning at seven it has to be seven non-negotiable seven and there would be some times where you know i didn't want to work out and i said i don't that's fine but you have to start working out you can stop whenever you want but you have to start and it has to be at seven and you'd be surprised how much weight I lost and how that was the best shape of my life. And this was like two years ago. And it was only because I had the discipline to stay to seven. And I also had the compassion to be like, hey, as long as you start, I don't care if you stop. It worked like gold. You know, one of the things that works well for me is the cold plunge for that yeah. very reason of kind of uh, cultivating discipline. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that I can really think of off the top of my head that's more hard to do on a consistent basis than to walk out there <laughs> down that trail yep. especially when it's cold outside I know the trail and then to get into that cold to get yep. yourself to take your clothes off and again that cold water yep. it is hard every single time yep. and it if you can do that and create consistency and a habit out of doing that getting yourself to go to the gym getting yourself to <laughs> eat healthy getting yourself to drink that glass of water in the morning to not go on your phone at night whatever habit you're trying to start becomes very easy to have the discipline to do yeah, because you in get good mind. at doing hard things. Yeah. Yeah, getting in that cold water is, oh. And yeah. for me, I don't know if it's just because I have no body fat. Like, I am, I run warm. So, no, I run, yeah, I get cold easy. Really easy. Our house is warm on the inside. Like, I don't like being cold. I don't deal with it well. So for me to get in that cold water, it makes everything else seem easy. That book wouldn't deliver to this address, but I'm going to keep that screen up. I'll figure it out after. I'm also going to get you another one. Don't buy it. I'm getting it. It was going to be a gift for you, but I forgot to order it. I was going to bring it up today, that but book? I forgot. No, another one. Oh. The Power of the Subconscious Mind by jo Dr. Joseph Murphy. That one I know you're going to love, okay. so don't buy it. I'm getting it. Yeah, I've been loving everything 
subconscious conscious lately. And because I'm what I'm starting to do is I'm starting I I've reached a level of pretty darn good understanding with it all, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool because the goal, the target is for me to, in the next ten years, build the Moto Academy brand to the point where it's just in the stratosphere. Then I want to transcend it at that point in 2033 to really, and I'll do this before then, but to really dive into not just moto, but all of it. I want to be like a, like a Jay Shetty or like somebody like that, that is talking to extremely high level people and helping people, not just motor motocross specific. I want to be able to write books and do everything like that. Uh, but I'm in no rush to do it because I want to create a lot of experiences in between now and the time I'm 40. And I want to create a crazy understanding of just all of it. You're already a lot further than you probably think. I mean, very rarely can I have a conversation with someone, certainly not someone in motocross, supercross (laughs) to the level that we've had so far today. And I know that we haven't even covered all the topics, you know, I mean, you're for your age, how old are you? 20, 30, you're 30. God, you don't look a day over 28. <laughs> um, um, but for you to be 30, you know, I, I know 30, when you're 30, 30 sounds big. It sounds old and all that. But obviously I'm older than you. I'm 52. And it's like 30 is really, you're, you, believe it or not, you ha- you're not even as smart as you, you're not even close, right? But oh, think about- what's exciting is I'm just getting started. Yes. Yeah. But like you, you're so far along, but you're not even close and you have so much time. Like, think about it. You're you're already having a conversation with me about things that I think I've got a pretty good grasp on, but I'm always learning, always growing. I never want to be complacent or feel like I've made it, um, but I'm 52. You literally are covering the same topic. I was not covering or thinking about any of these topics. I was not reading books on the subconscious mind when I was 30, nor are many people. And so I think for you to hit, to aim high and have some of the targets you have is like, there's, it's so reasonable. It's so realistic. Actually, one thing, um, speaking of realistic, I was listening to a Jay Shetty podcast one time, and um, this one guy said, he said, what's the worst advice someone ever gave you? And I, I don't know why. To it be was, realistic. Yes. Yeah, it was Russ, so he's a Russ. rapper. Yeah, that was a, a great interview. Yeah. That was a killer interview. Yeah. Be realistic. And there was something else. It was, be real, what's the best advice and what's the worst advice? The worst advice what was- What if be, it could turn out better than you ever imagined? Was dude, the best? Dude, sick. Good, right? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, and the worst see, advice was be realistic, which oh, is a great worst advice answer. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Amazing. I mean, people think I'm delusional because I the way that I talk and the way that I think is so far out into the future sometimes. But I guess what? I believe it. You do. Well, yeah. guess, so get this. So if I if that person that calls you delusional, is that more of a reflection of you or are they more projecting themselves? Mm-hmm. It's always themselves. You know, it's amazing that people, especially like fear of other people's opinions or, or people when they take criticism or maybe just have conflict with someone, most people don't care about you enough. Like everyone thinks that like, oh, this is personal. This person attacked me. I hate to tell you this. People aren't thinking about you that much. People don't think that outside of themselves as much as you think. So what I'm saying is that if ever someone comes at you, if you have a business and someone comes at you and says something horrible, or you have a coworker that's all of a sudden just kind of was jabbing at you one day, trust me, the, the most challenging thing you can do is two, well, two things. One, realize that they are a projector. They are, a mo- they are projecting their internal state onto you. It's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. And then if you really want to bring it to the next level, See if you can be compassionate. 
I had a guy interview me recently and he's like, oh, you can, he goes, if you work with me, I'll make you a great doctor like me. I'm like, dude, I'm the alpha male here. Like, do you, I'll teach you some, sh I, I, in my mind, right? I'm just like, but then I caught myself and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at your ego getting all spooled up. Mm. You're getting a little testy. And even he asked me to sit down because I'm like twice his height. And and I didn't want to do it because I'm like, no, I'm alpha. I'm alpha. I'm like, dude, if you're really alpha, sit down and know you're alpha instead of having to prove you're mm. alpha. And I was like, damn. I'm like, that's kind of alpha. So I it sat all down. boils back yeah. down to the, that consciousness of just being able awake. to just be awake and understand what's going on. Because yeah, yeah a, a lot of what I've experienced the last eight weeks of people kind of falling apart around me mm -hmm. i realized and recognized that that was it you know i didn't overthink it and think oh my god what why why is this all happening to me it was other people it was the way that they were feeling and it makes me be a nicer person to other people too because i can be more patient with them and not expect everyone to understand or to think the way that i think and i get it I get it because it, even if I've practiced enough, as much as I have in the last few years, of thinking the way that I do, I still catch the ego having those conversations with myself and I can go down that path, although I can snap out of it very quickly. It still happens to me. So if it's happening to me, it's definitely happened to other people. And then they let it continue further, not just so it's internal, but now they're saying it out loud and they're acting a certain way. And I get it. Yeah, and here's a cool thing too, a shift in perspective. You said, um, why, you know, let me, you might say, why are these things happening to me? Why are these hap things happening for me? Simple shift in the words, but think about the difference. One, you're under attack and you're threatened. Why are these things happening to you? And then you feel a little bit of like defensive. But what if bad things aren't actually happening to you? What if they're happening for you? Now all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, there's a lesson here. There's something I can gain from this. This is actually here to serve me. Even though it doesn't feel so good, it doesn't smell so good or look so good, whatever it is, um, maybe this is here to serve me. And maybe there's something on the other side of this because someone like you who's awake and once you get to a certain level, you start to realize that even the bad things that happen aren't really bad. Like, no, you know, they just don't feel good, but bad, you know, it may not be as bad as you think because anything that happens bad, if you course correct, maybe that's what took you to kind of move in a different direction. Okay. Well, maybe now you're moving in the right direction because just like a ship, you know, this is a pretty cool thing too, is, you know, let's say that a ship is traveling a thousand miles in the water, right. Or whatever, a hundred miles. Um, if that ship veers off one degree over that course of a hundred miles, that ship is way off. And so it's like, what if your ship is off? And what if the the negative experience, the painful experience you had was enough to have you course correct one, two, three percent. And now all of a sudden you're actually moving in the right direction, but you don't know because you can't see it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that negative feedback again. As long as you have the perspective of how can I learn from this? What can I take away from this? It was such good practice for me to be able to experience what I experienced in the last eight weeks. It was awesome. Most people wouldn't look at it that way, but it was awesome because I just learned so many little lessons throughout that. Uh, I had a question. So you mentioned before gratitude. Uh, is that your go-to good feeling? Yeah, it's always there and it's always easy. And the whole thing is, is think about the energy of it, right? So if I'm not Gratitude grateful, is mine, by the way. What's that? Gratitude is mine. Like oh. if I want to cultivate intentionally, like consciously cultivate gotcha. a feeling, it's gratitude. Okay. It's so easy for me to access. 
Yeah, because think about it. If you're not grateful for what you have, you know, how are you, for what you have right now, how are you going to be grateful for anything in the future? You know, if you can't be grateful for the little things, why would, why would the universe reward you by giving you more? I almost feel like, like if I go for a walk in nature, right? I'm big on like just appreciating like little things. I'm looking around. If there's mm -hmm. like a little snail or there's like a, a tree, I'm watching the, the, the flow. Cause if you ever watch a tree when the wind goes, it's like, it's flow. None of it's like rigid. It's just, everything's flow. You look at water, it flows. You look at nature. I'm like, nature, nature just wants to be recognized, place your awareness on it. So for me, um, the feeling of gratitude, one, like I said, it's a receiving emotion, but two, it's always there. Like, and it also brings you into the present moment, which a lot of people don't realize that it brings you into the present moment because in this moment, you have to be aware, <clears throat> you, you know, you're focusing your energy and attention on these things. It, it brings you into the present, I feel, you know, and that's super, super important, but, you know, and to be grateful for all experiences, good and quote unquote, good and bad, right? Because, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, hey, well, I want to win this race or you won the race. What did you learn? Okay. I would argue that if you got if you didn't do well, that there's more to learn. And so, you know, are you here for the results of the ego to feed the ego and, and that side of you? Or are you here to learn and become a better athlete, a better human being and, and just just experience it all, you know, like pain and pleasure. It's all it's all good. But everything's like a pendulum. Right. So you have to just realize that whatever you're feeling now, feelings are fleeting. And so even if you're feeling pain right now, that pendulum is going to switch back. But sometimes, you know, when you're in that moment feeling the pain of either a loss or, or a breakup or whatever it is, um, that feeling is fleeting. It's going to go away. I mean, think about perfect example is you're going up on a roller coaster as you're dry, as you, as the roller coaster. First time you've been on a roller coaster, you're freaked out, right? Someone finally convinces you to go on. And you get in and you're like, oh my God, this is stupid. Oh my God, I'm freaked out. You're going out, click, 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 you know, and that, that sound, we all know that sound. And all of a sudden you're, you're stressed. Your nervous system is like going firing like crazy. But then all of a sudden what happens once you go down the other side within literally a blink, you're like, wow, baby, this is awesome. So that's the proof that feelings are fleeting. And so always remember that too, because you want to know that feelings do define your life experience. And so a lot of times like gratitude, you said, you know, you can shift your focus and shift your thoughts to go into gratitude. You can shift your thoughts to go into appreciation, pride, courage. And that's where you start talking about, um, the map of consciousness. And so the worst feelings that you want to have hundred percent guilt, shame, humiliation, embarrassment, we have a, I have a group coaching call that I do with uh, motocross guys. And we always talk about that. I'm like, those are the feelings that vibrate at what's called 20 Hertz. So like, think about like a wave, a wavelength as being like an emotion, right? So shame, guilt is at 20. If you're at shame, guilt, humiliation, embarrassment, believe it or not, anger, don't hold me to this. Anger might be like 50 and it's logarithmic. So it's not, you're like, you're going up 30, 20 to 50 is actually much more than it appears. But if you feel guilt, shame, and humiliation, embarrassment, or even despair or hopelessness, being angry is actually an up, upgrade, right? As long as you channel that anger in the right place. And then if you get to anger, you kind of like almost like going up the rungs of a ladder. And so now all of a sudden you're at anger and it's like, oh, geez, I'm still angry. Okay, but you moved away from shame. We're good. We're better now. Now all of a sudden, maybe you move to like pride or courage, which is another, you know, maybe at 250, you know, and you try to get to what we call neutrality, which is like, 
you're at you're kind of like not so much at peace, but maybe you're you're starting to move from uh, an energy of like constriction and contraction and one to like expansion. And so if you guys get a chance, look up the map of consciousness. Um, you'll see it under like the work of David Hawkins, which by the way, Power Versus Force, another great book. Great, great book, Letting Go. The Power of Letting Go, or is it Letting Go? David Hawkins, amazing book. Um, but you know, always, always remember that if how you define an, if, if the end point of any experience is an emotion, and you're not happy with your life, then the the hack is to consciously create the emotions you have by managing your focus, energy, and attention, what you're thinking about, and just being awake about it. You can literally change your life just 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 for that. In my opinion, right. The most powerful thing for me was understanding that there's a difference. The emotion isn't even you. The emotion is the program. So when I learned that you could be conscious and present enough to be able to then peer into and look into your computer program, which is your subconscious, which is where all of your automated emotions lie, right? So uh, the UPS truck backs down my driveway and it hits one of my freaking branches again and snaps one off. I've been cued to just did it when we were podcasting. Before. I had a feeling because I was like, I think this is a true story that did happen. Oh, it happens every day. It breaks another branch off. So I could choose. <laughs> I've my program is now anger mm-hmm. or frustration, whatever it is. Right. It's just it's just already it's become a habit and it's not me. It's just the computer program that's doing that. So when I can just be conscious enough to be like, oh, all right, well, yeah, that's nothing. Like, I recognize what it is. And what it is is just simply a habit of you learning to judge a moment a, cer- uh, a certain way. You don't have to judge it at all. You could just let it be, experience let it happen, it. experience it. And then very quickly, you can just move to gratitude and then shift that energy because it is energy. And shift that energy to just being grateful. And you can change your internal, like your physiology immediately. Oh, for sure. Well, one of the most powerful things too, think about this. Think about that. Let's go back to that same experience. Um, Driver comes down the road, hits, hits the tree branch, comes off. What defines your emotional reaction as well and contributes, like I totally agree with what you said, but what also contributes to it, what does it mean? Because it doesn't mean any. It, it just it's an experience. You just wit- you're witnessing something happen. What what gets you is what does it mean? Does it if it means he's disrespecting your property? Now you're pissed. If it means that maybe he's a new driver and you just need to be a little compassionate, maybe or maybe you'd feel compassion, or maybe it just happened and it means nothing, right? Think about how each way that I described it, it was the same experience, same event, but mm-hmm. you change the meaning, and then also. If you change the significance or importance of of something. So like one thing that you can do, this is a huge like little hack that I do. Let's say something goes wrong. Uh, I don't know what your car breaks down. Okay. You get a flat tire, right? So you get a flat tire. Okay. So if you put the value on it of, let's say, let's say you can feel that your emotions are getting out of whack and you're like, wow, I'm really getting bent and you, and you're awake and you're starting to realize you're stressed. What you can do is you can say, Put, put a dollar amount on it. How stressed are you? Uh, how angry are you? Uh, 500 bucks. Okay, cool. Um, what could you do to get to to make it, de- devalue it, reappraise it at 20? What would that look like? What would that feel like? And it's like, just that simple act of doing that, it's not so much that it's some rocket science thing, but what you're really doing is you're breaking, 
you're breaking free from the vortex of the emotion of the thing, right? Because you're giving yourself, you're, you're interrupting it. You're almost creating space and filling it with a question like, oh, how can I get from 520? That alone kind of helps you become awake and puts you a little bit more in control of your emotions because now you're starting to choose what you do with the experience instead of the experience choosing what it does to you. So that's pretty cool too. Such simple, they're all really simple concepts when you think about it. But uh, when you're in the program and you're attached <laughs> to this... You can't help it. Yeah. You can't help it. It's like, you, I I remember experiences from when I was young of like being in a relationship and feeling a certain way or like getting mad and yelling or, and then realizing halfway through the argument that I wasn't even mad anymore, really. But I just had to keep going because I was just committed to it and I was that deep into it. But I didn't at that time. I had no freaking idea. I didn't. I didn't realize what was going on. So I was just. I was my emotions. I was just reacting to things, reacting to this, reacting to that. And uh, unfortunately, I do think that's how most people operate. Um, the good news is, I really do believe that everybody is capable to to figure it out. Right. I did have somebody in the Moto Academy the other day send me a message and they said that they have something that they're not, they have a condition and they're not able to visualize. They're not able to create an image or a picture in their mind of what something is. Yeah. And I felt bad for that person because I'm like, oh, okay, that could be, that's, that could be an issue. Um, but barring any like big brain problem, Anybody could do it. It's it's simple habits that you can create and eventually and pretty quickly realistically I mean for me it's taken less than 2 years mm -hmm. to I'm just getting started. I still don't know anything, but I've learned so much in 2 years and have created so many good habits. Um and then it just becomes addicting. And what's nice too is you start attract like you start attracting more and more of those types of people around you. And then it's like you have all of these uh, like serendipitous moments where you're just like, wow, this is weird. That is, oh, this is crazy that this said. Yeah, synchronicity. Yeah, what did I say? Well, you said serendipitous. I don't know. What's the difference? Uh, I think I used the wrong word. Yeah, you're in alignment. But no, I think you could use that word. I mean, could I? but what's interesting Seren is what you're, what you're talking about now is creating alignment, right? Yeah, you're just occurring or discovered by chance. Oh, sure. But there's no chance. Is that what serendipitous means? Because there is no chance. Or beneficial way. No. What does it mean to be serendipitous? It, is an adjective that describes accidentally being in the right place at the right time. Okay. Then I would say that it's the opposite of that. Serendipitous is not what you're experiencing. You're experiencing synchronicity and alignment, which is everything that is happening to and for you. Wait, you is, said another S word before, not synchronicity. No, I think I said synchronicity. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said serendipitous, okay. I said synchronicity, and then I said alignment. You're you're shifting into what we call alignment, which means that you're vibrating at the level and you're in sync. Like, think about it. what are the like? Is it just chance that you and I now live like a couple miles from each other? And this is like one of the things that I was trying to do with you back in the day. I was trying to get you on this track, yeah, right? Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't get you awake. I couldn't do it. You weren't ready. It was, it was nothing wrong with you. There's nothing bad about you. It just wasn't the time. And so. Isn't it funny that here we are having this conversation at this level while we're in the same town, 
we bumped into each other at the same gym and you know you're probably going to try to sit next to me one time eating down at Sayulita down the street because that place is awesome so you know is we that we tried to go last night and it was you can't, yeah it was taco tuesday we didn't think taco about that taco tuesday game yeah, over yeah. yeah no but um we went to plan b instead you know what i usually do on the news if a lot of uh, mexicans cross the border a lot of people get pissed they don't go to Sayulita because it's a mexican like <laughs> so that's usually when i go okay look for a high Good number idea. count crossing the border as soon as we pulled in i'm like ali what day is it she's like tuesday i'm like it's taco tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> no but um yeah no I, there's all kinds of cool things and so and then you it, it becomes a snowball effect to where like, then you're grateful that, oh man, this is a crazy coincidence. And how cool is this that I just attracted this into my life or this person in my life? Yeah. And then it just keeps happening and it keeps happening. And then you almost, something horrible can happen and you, you don't even recognize it as horrible because no. it's just like, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, we learned. Yep, we're still going. And then the snowball effect continues. It's a great way to live. I am I am so happy all the time. And mm -hmm. if I have negative moments, they last for such a short amount of time, I'm able to get to the root of them very quickly, shift the emotion, move beyond it, and all within what feels like seconds. Do you know what the precursor to happiness is? The one step that you have to go through in order to achieve happiness? So it's actually, if I think it's actually more powerful than happiness, which you kind of were talking about it without saying the word. It starts with a P. Pres being present? No, peace. Oh. Just being at peace. Yeah. If all of a sudden something horrible happens to you, hmm. oh, well, that, that's my favorite thing. Oh, you, your brother and I do that. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, like I don't know, what, we have this thing where all of a sudden, it's just like, you do it too, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, bike blew up, this happened, you know, my wife left me, took the car, took the kids, took the dog. It's like, hmm, oh, well. You know, that's how I look at things. Remember that time at dinner one time where something was happening? And I can't remember what, but it was like, I had to make a decision. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the look. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah that's the look. That's, I could, yeah. Are you guys going to race Supercross next year? Yeah. No, it's cool. But, you know, that's why you should always be like aiming. At, my target is always peace. How can you be at peace? Because think about it, like that that's the key. It's it's peace and acceptance. That's actually a big word. The wor couple words, if you want to, if you want to come up with some words to be friends with. One, curiosity, the power of questions, can't beat it. Two, clarity. Clarity is king. Anyone that works with me knows that I say clarity is king all the time. A lot of times I'll have an athlete where I'll say, hey, um, what are you going to work on? Like I have an athlete right now that's at MTF and I messaged him before I came here. It's like, hey, what are you going to work on today? I'm going to work on corners. But it's not clear enough. Gain clarity. What do you mean you're mm -hmm. going to work on corners? What, what does that even look like? And if I can't see what you're working on and see what the potential outcome is, then I don't have clarity. So my, my next question would be like, okay, well, what about the corners? Well, I'm going to work more on the entry speed. Okay. But like, what about entry speed? Like, are you going to work? Are you going to get off the brake sooner? Are you going to get on the gas earlier? Like what exactly are you going to do? And you keep asking questions to gain clarity. And then the questions, once you get to the point where you can't ask any more questions, usually that's the end point and that's where clarity re uh, re mm. resides. So you have, you have the power of curiosity. Um, we have the power of clarity. You also have the power of perspective. Change when you change that you know this. When you change the way you see, look at things, the things you look at change. And so that also relates to the meaning, value, and importance that you put on things. So it's like, why don't you change the way you look at this? You know. And once you do that, you change your perspective. Everything changes, especially the emotional response you have to the thing. So you have you have clarity, you have curiosity, you have perspective, and also acceptance. I would say that would be like the fourth one, which is 
you know, if you resist things, they persist. And so if something, once again, bad goes wrong and you're like, oh my God, that should never happen. Like that's the, it, you can't change it. So like, why are you resisting it? So acceptance is not, but it's where people get stuck with that is acceptance doesn't mean you tolerate it. Cause everyone's like, well, it's not okay. My left, my wife left me. I'm not going to accept that. Okay. But you're, you're screwing yourself more by resisting what is. I'm not saying that it's okay, but I'm saying if you accept it because it's out of your control, you're definitely going to be in a much better emotional state than resisting it. And also you're going to keep the problem, you know, it's going to start to grow, you mm -hmm. know, because you're putting energy into it. The resistance is like energy against it. It's almost like power versus force. You're trying to force something, whereas you use power. Like if you study any of the Bruce Lee stuff, he's like, you know, be water, my friend, you know, it's like, don't, you know, flow with the river, you know, and then deviate, you know, off of it, but don't, don't go against it. You know, and a lot of times I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is they try to force things and they try to push things like a lot of athletes. Um, one of my, one of the sayings I can't stand, like, how bad do you want it? If you want it bad enough? No, if you want it bad enough, that means you don't have the thing. Yeah. So you have to watch out for energy. Energy and emotions are very, very important and you have to manage them properly. On the topic of clarity, I just thought of what I'm going to work on to, I'm going to the track today. Nice. I'm going to just focus on landing each jump into the, because 508 is a really wide open track, but it does have a lot of jumps that go into corners. Mm -hmm. And all of those jumps, I'm going to just stay on the throttle a little bit longer, get on the gas a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. So entry speed, but more specifically, just harder throttle right when I land. Because yeah. otherwise I would have done today and maybe I would have just done a 30 minute moto and not thought about much. Yes. Never do a 30 minute moto. Never use that phrase ever again. It's just set one intention. And what you just said was perfect. And then what you got to do, and then you, you think about what you can do. Now you can start to imagine it. Now you can start to think about it. Now, let me ask you this. I want to see if you get this one right. Where do you think the resistance will be to you doing that? To, to, to you executing on your intention? What if for, for me, what would the resistance be? Yeah. Uh, not having my attention on that intent, like forgetting. So that, so yes, that that's true. Um, so a hundred percent, but what's interesting is our nervous system is set up. Think about comfortable. Think about how many people say, I got to get comfortable. I, gotta, I need to feel comfortable to go fast. People already have this condition where I have to feel comfortable. Okay. But you can only feel comfortable based on replicating what you've already experienced because then it's familiar, it's safe, it's comfortable. Our bodies have one goal. It's to, well, two, it's to be safe. Number one, that's number one goal. And number two, replicate, that's it. But think safety. Your body only feels safe when it's in a familiar, that's why we go to, think about it. You go to uh, the grocery store. If you're like me, I park in the more or less the same parking spot every time. If I go to restaurants, I usually go to the same three restaurants. And then I usually try to sit at the same table and I try to order the same food. It's because our body is always looking for what's safe, what's known and certain and familiar, right? And so where your resistance is today, most likely, and you need to be aware of it because if you're aware of it, you can push through it, is you are going to want to stay your body, not consciously, but subconsciously, your body's going to want to stay with what's familiar, certain and known, which is what you've always done, which is to have this certain amount of throttle that you've always done, which gets you the lap time that you've always gotten. Mm -hmm. When that feeling comes up where you feel uncomfortable and it feels unfamiliar because you're starting to give it a little bit more gas a little earlier, whatever it is that you focus on, um, 
you need to be aware of that feeling and you need to lean into it, right? And be like, oh, wow, I know what this is. And if you just shine a light on it and you're like, oh, I know what this is. You're trying to res- you're, you're trying to keep me in my comfort zone, but I know that growth and improvement and speed is me dipping out of the comfort zone into the growth zone for a little bit, then maybe coming back. That should always be your cadence, right? So you're, 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 you're getting clear on your intentions crystal clear on them. And then you're realizing that when you dip out of them, you can't stay dipped out of your comfort zone for too long because it just doesn't feel good. But then what you do is you kind of just keep dipping out, coming back, dipping out, coming back. And then what happens is over time, your threshold just kind of rises. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, it doesn't feel so bad to get on the throttle, like right where that little post is, that yellow post. It's like, wow, actually now I can do it. The only reason you can do it is you trained your body to prune the old version of your nervous system that was wanting to do it maybe a foot further past. And now all of a sudden you're doing it like right at the apex or right wherever this marker is. Um, and you're basically pruning the nerve and then you're activating a new neuronal response. And if you get enough reps in, eventually that now becomes the new comfortable. Mm. And then that's the cadence. You, or that's like the rhythm you want. And you keep dipping out, coming back, and then just everything starts to rise up. Does that make sense how I explain that? Yeah. And it's using, I want to say this might have been psychocybernetics too. I get them all mixed up at this point. Mm-hmm. And it talked about gradualness and using gradualness to kind of like ease your way into creating your visions and how people use gradualness subconsciously to create, you know, negative thoughts. And that they'll be like, uh, an example I used to our last trip with Winter Brevin, I think we talked about this in the podcast. I said, all right, well, you have a test coming up at school. Like, Think about what how your brain goes through that step-by-step process. You can kind of think about how you would do poorly on the test and you think about how maybe you're unprepared for it and you can, so you, you think about it as a possibility. Then you can start to kind of attach images to that thought. You could see yourself getting that test back and you failed. You can see yourself kind of sweating it out as you're working through that test and you're attaching the imagery and then you just start believing. It doesn't happen like that. You use gradualness to get to that. So same thing. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of going to the track and at least the last three weeks and doing my 30-minute motos and what have my intentions been throughout. I've been really hyper-focused on breathing, which is definitely important, but uh, not much beyond that. And what happens is I'm sure, I haven't seen the lap times yet, I'm sure I've just been going the same speed. Mm-hmm. the whole time and now i've ridden the track enough so 508 where i'm going today i've been there four times now that's i've done enough laps to where it just already it's programmed in me so that whatever i'm speed i'm going to go is going to come naturally and it's just going to be very easy for me to stick with that and then as soon as i go two feet further on the throttle it's going to lead to holding my breath and arm pump and all these things if i'm not really mm-hmm. conscious of what i'm doing uh Again, just kind of an easy, logical way to break down how you would get faster is just forming a habit of just getting very, very, very slightly uncomfortable for a very short amount of time. Yes. And then just easing into it, easing into it. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't have to, the the amount of effort you need to put like is so small that you almost don't always feel it because it, it, it's such a small little change you need to make. I know exactly. I could pick, I could draw the track out on a piece of paper right now and tell you exactly where those points are that I'm going to do that today. That's and I clarity. bet you at the end of that lap, it would gain me half second. Yeah. Easily. And you should gauge it. Like, you know, I think a lot of times, I mean, what's that product? Um, Lit Pro. 
Like yep. to me, I, I don't know why, you know, cause in car racing, auto racing, everyone's got data, right? Mm -hmm. um, with uh, Matt Field, Formula Drift, data, like we're always looking at data. So, you know, I think it's important for people to look at data and see like, what am I doing? That way you at least have a target. You at least have some sort of metric or a KPI to compare against. Cause a lot of people, you know, you, you, we've all had that time where you feel like you were fast but the lap time show you were slow. And then the one time where you feel like you weren't even trying and now you drop two seconds. Mm -hmm. And so that's also important too, because you know another thing you can do in practice that's a really powerful experience is, and, and I learned this through a pro golfer uh, that I used to coach on to do mental coaching for. And what we had is we had bucketed practice. One bucket of balls was a thinking bucket and one was just a doing bucket. And so how that would look in motocross is this. Let's say you go out and you want to do, I don't know, you're doing section work and you're just doing one section and you're going to do, let's say, 10 laps of this one little section. So first time you go out, you should be thinking about your intention. You'd be thinking about what you're going to do. And that's actually most likely going to make you slower because you're thinking about it and you're focusing on it. And so once you do that and you try to like fight through that feeling of uncomfortability and realize that like that's where the growth is and you kind of like lean into it a little bit instead of pull away from it which is basically like fear fear of failure or fear of that feeling you don't you want to lean into it not pull away but let's say you do 10 laps where you're thinking now what you want to do is you want to go back and do another 10 but just do just ride so at that point you're you're seeing has the has the program been uploaded have i overcome like have i changed and you have to be careful with that because a lot of times people aren't patient enough with growth <clears throat> and they think well i did this 10 laps and like i'm not any faster so i'm going to move on to something else well what if i told you that the actual number, if I had a crystal ball and was Lady Cleo, what if I told you that you needed to do that 47 times? Would you do it? And the average person isn't willing to do that, which is why they don't grow. And no one's willing to put in the reps, right? You know, like, it, it, I mean, you got to do the reps. And that's the thing I think a lot of people mess up is they're not willing, the, their function of time and their function of patience is way off. Mm -hmm. We are an impatient bunch of people, especially here in the Northeast. We're angry, aggro, impatient people. And, um, You've got to be patient when it comes to growth. You have to be aware of it. You have to focus on it, and you just got to keep pushing. And that's that's why this the, the the people that succeed are the ones that will just keep showing up, keep showing up, slapped in the face, keep showing up. You know. So I think that's an important thing too. Do some thinking practice and some just doing practice. Because I don't know if you know this, but the way when you're thinking, um, it's a very slow process. You might say, "Oh wow, I'm thinking fast." People that think are fast. Flow state is not thinking. When people ride a wave or any of this flow state, because that, obviously that's peak performance, right? Is achieving flow state. You're not thinking. You're doing everything slows down, and you're 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 experiencing. You're in the moment. You feel the bike between your legs. You feel the wave. You athletes will literally say that they could feel the temperature of the cold wave above them, even though it was like you know they could feel the wave or the energy of it. it's like. They were so immersed in the moment. They were not thinking. They were experiencing everything with all their senses, all five senses if possible. That's where that's where speed is and that's where peak performance is. So you always want to have that as a target. It takes a lot of reps to get to that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And then you can't just show up to your event or your competition and try to operate above where you've been practicing. It just doesn't work that way because you're guaranteed to not be in flow at that point. For sure. Right, you need to be practicing in the uncomfortable and create a new kind of comfortable out of that. For sure, right? I mean, Isn't the there was a saying uh, like flow state is when you your activity kind of meets your level of preparedness. Not too easy. It's not too difficult. Like you're right there in the sweet spot. 
of you're able to be present and just automatically do without having to do these weird analyzations and break it down and or be fearful and mm-hmm. overthink every step of the way. Yeah, and, and being present is an important thing. You mentioned a couple of times, but I don't think we've given anyone a tool yet. So if I could, I want to offer like a tool on that. So like, let's say the easiest analogy I would give you is golf, but you can turn this into motocross obviously quite easily. But like, let's say you're going to play golf and you want to really be present in the moment. Um, you want to always think of the five senses. You know, you have what sight, hearing, uh, taste, smell, sound. I think I got them all right. Feel. I don't know. I think that I think I said I said six, but I think I repeated one. <laughs> I, I think I double dipped on one. But um, you always want to say like to be present and and don't forget because in, in being present is a flow trigger. There's a set of conditions, like you said. There's a set of conditions that you want to have as targets to aim for that will in, that will increase the odds of you entering flow state. One of those is to be present. How do you do it? Well, easiest way to do it, practicing golf, is to feel like have the ball in your hand and you're not thinking about it, but you're just mm. experiencing the dimples on the ball. Then you're taking the grip on the club and maybe you're feeling it, maybe you're squeezing it a little bit. Maybe you smell like a little hint of like an apple tree or maybe even some of the, the cut, freshly cut grass. Your brain can't be thinking about the presentation you're doing tomorrow if you're paying attention to the dimples on the ball, paying attention to the smells that you have, paying attention to the feeling of the sun on your neck, right? So think about it that way. Like if 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 your brain wants to go out into the future, it can't go there if you're focusing on these experiences and activating all these senses in the moment. And that also can pull you on the other end from maybe like, let's say your last hole, let's say you're on the 17th, right? So you're on the 17th hole, um, 16th hole was a disaster. You were actually about to have your best round, <clears throat> you double bogeyed horrible, right? So, okay, but it already happened. You can't change it. What's that golfer need to do? That golfer needs to leave the 16th tee. And as they're walking to the 17th, they need to lean into it, learn from it a little bit, and then let go as fast as possible. And the way to let go as fast as possible is to feel that ball, is to move into the present moment and be where you are. Look at the trees, look at the bunny in the corner that's sitting there. Like that's what you need to do so you can let go from the emotional attachment of in the disappointment of what just happened on the 16th. And then you can actually go to the 17th and be ready to actually maybe, who knows, get a birdie, right? And maybe salvage the game and salvage the round. Do you practice breath work? at all within that for sure because i feel like to help me really be here now breathing focusing on my breath is a really good spot to start for me yeah uh whether it's getting anxious about the future or if i'm thinking about replaying something from the past Mm -hmm. i've even just thinking about my breath very simple like four seconds in Mm -hmm. hold for a second two seconds, four seconds out. doesn't even have to be anything elaborate or anything specific, mm-hmm. but just the distraction of thinking about my breath for a second. Yeah, brings you to the present. Yep. It's a shift of focus. Yep. And like you said, if, what and you then were then I can start to look around and hear what's going on and smell things and see, and it kind of opens me up where otherwise before I'd, I would just be like blinders on because mm-hmm. I'm not even there. I'd be, I'd my, I'd be in the future or at the races. A lot of times I'd be in the, I'd be in the past. Really? Yeah. So I'd smell race fuel and it would be a trigger for me to like, think about all of the ways that I used to act and react and mm-hmm. operate when I'd be at a race just from smelling the race fuel. Cause I'd only smell it at the race. So for me, it would like bring me in, back into the past mm-hmm. and then I just start going through the program. 
And I caught myself this year, this, this Supercross season, this last Supercross season was the first transitional year. And it literally happened mid-season to where like the first race I showed up, Rob was there. And I go, I don't want to, I don't think I want to race anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the first race of the season started. And then by the end of that night, I won the LCQ or got stuck in the LCQ. I rode really well, rode well, I think in the main. Uh, so I made the first main at the first race and then just started making them. And very quickly, like by second or third race, I had learned to adapt the way of thinking that I'd been practicing for that last year, not at the dirt bike track or not at a racetrack at least, and finally figured it out. Finally. So I didn't figure it out, but it started to like just be aware so that when something like that would happen, I wouldn't just oopsie daisy automatically end up in the program and then the whole day is gone. Mm -hmm. Like I would catch, I would just catch myself and that's where it starts. So like I would catch myself, I would be aware and I'd observe it and I'd be like, oh, that's silly of you to think that way. And then I'd be able to work my way past it. Yeah. And there was a few rounds where it was a lot of that and it was tiring. It was a lot of energy to kind of catch myself constantly throughout the day over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Then... I started to just get better at it. And by the end of the season, it started to be automatic for me to do that. And I could see already where I'm going to be at this point going into next season to where that will never happen again. Mm -hmm. That first race of, oh, I think I want to quit. Like if I say I want to quit, you'll know now that that will be me wanting to quit. It won't be me yeah. confused about and being stuck in some past program. Yeah, um, and I think what's also going to be important for you this year is think about this if you so if you run the same pro let's let's just assume that you run more or less the same program for preparation for the beginning of the season this year as you did last year would you expect to get better results or the same results yeah same same so that's the biggest thing with the racing too is like mm -hmm. and that was where i was at this year is it was like i knew i couldn't help but to know deep down in my mind that mm -hmm. i wasn't as prepared as the guys in the top 10. Yes. So how <clears throat> how can I trick myself? You can't. You can't. You can't do it. You There's can't no way really. to fake that. That's the problem. <clears throat> <laughs> and That's I, the, well, was it the problem or is it the opportunity? Well, so that in the past was a lot of the problem. It was I was doing it to myself though. I was self-sabotaging so that I would have the excuse to not be able to do well. Why? I don't know. It's just because I was comfortable and programmed and used to not finishing where I wanted to finish. And it was just normal to me. It was what I, what my subconscious wanted to be doing. Yeah. Now I've realized like you want to get whatever result, you better be darn sure that you believe a hundred percent that you're as prepared or more prepared than that guy that you want to be beating. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Everything else actually is quite irrelevant. So this year the game plan was, okay, that's why I gave myself a five-year plan. Cause I'm like, realistically, I'm not going to have the time to dedicate in these next two years quite yet with having the kids still with where we're at with the business, still mm -hmm. moving around. And there's a lot of variables to be able to dedicate championship level commitment mm -hmm. yet. But I can make the time this year to dedicate more than I did last year. Yes. And last year went was a good step in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. It was. So yeah, the, the couple things I, I was like, all right, so for this year, I didn't attach any number or anything like that to a result. Don't need but, to. At all. But I just looked at my preparation last year and I said, all right, I started December 1st. And I started December 1st, basically cold turkey. I wasn't riding before that period. 
and I was not in good physical conditioning at all. And we went on vacation like the second week in December. So I started and then we went away somewhere and came back. So I, I missed a week in December. So I said, okay, well, this year I'm going to get a two-month head start on that, riding outdoors. So I bought myself that Honda 450, and I've just been riding the 450, getting into shape. I've been going to the gym every day uh, to try to give myself as much of a head start on that December 1st timeline of last year as humanly possible. And wherever that gets me, that gets me. But in my in my heart, I'll know that I'm quite a bit more prepared than last year. Yeah. And that, so that's the only feeling that I need to have. Like beyond that. You're basically creating the evidence to support the belief that you should do better. Yeah. And so you could even take it further because I do agree. I know you got a lot going on. I know you're going to be a dad soon, but there's even other things you can optimize. Optimize the team around you, the people around you, optimize your um race day flow. Um, you know, how do you track walk? There's an opportunity. I'll guarantee you there's an opportunity on track walk. Find it. There's an opportunity. How do you debrief? Um, like any of the supercross guys that I've worked with, they all know that I'm going to be watching you on TV and you're going to message me. We're going to do a quick debrief. What did we learn? What do we struggle with? What's our focus going to be? You know, and so you can optimize that. It's not just seat time for you. You have other things that mm -hmm. I think you could do where you could be more intentional. You could lean on your team a little bit more, maybe increase communication, um, do the debrief and really, you know, like free practice. Like it's a thing. Like you, like you don't have a lot of time to learn the track. Free practice is important. And, you know, I, I have some guys I've worked with that are like, yeah, it takes me about two laps to warm up. Okay. Make it one, mm -hmm. make it one. Like that gives you one extra lap and that may not seem like anything, but this is a game of, it's a game of incremental gains. It's looking for the 1%. It's looking for these small little things, but, and you might say, well, half a percent or 1% is not going to help me. Okay, fine. But what if you find 27, 1% that's going to help you? Yeah. So that's something to right. consider as well. Yeah. That made me just think there are a couple other angles too. So my race for make my race bike way better. So I'll have better suspension. I'll have a kit suspension. I'll have a uh, faster motor, which will be helpful because last mm -hmm. year I definitely experienced like I felt underpowered at times. Mm -hmm. And my practice bike's going to be much closer matched to my race bike, which will be amazing. Uh, already went out and bought practice bike. So I have that with Dan at Royal Power Sports now. So he's already getting that, that thing sorted and built. Um, there was one other little thing. But I've been doing that, which is great. So I've been looking at all the little things that I can kind of improve just a little bit. That's it. Just a little bit. Doesn't even have to be a lot. No. Like the bike isn't going to be much faster, but it's going to be, can I get a top five start instead of a 15th place start? Yeah, maybe. And as long as I believe that, then. Yeah, and even good. think about it. Everyone says they want to believe in themselves. If you do, if you find 27 things to optimize 1%, do you really not think if the, if the pinnacle for you is the, or the number one thing that's holding you back is, oh, I just don't believe in myself. If I'm sitting here telling you as a mental performance coach that works with professional athletes that has had a lot of success and I'm telling you that to believe in yourself, you just have to create the evidence first, then go create the evidence. Find the 1% in 27 things. And how are you not going to believe in yourself more? Are you going to believe that you're capable of being the next Supercross champion? I don't know where you're at. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But you're sure as hell going to be believing in yourself more than you did before. Yeah. What I want to do, since you live in my town now, we'll put this podcast live. And then for the next one, I would love to, inside of the app, we have a podcast questions account so people can send in all of their questions. Mm -hmm. I would love to put this one live and then have you on again 
in another mm -hmm. couple of weeks sure. if you're available and then have that one be all answering questions, which I think would be cool. So we'll be yeah. able to have them up on my phone, watch them, and then answer people from inside Moto yeah. Academy's questions. For sure. Would you be down to do that? For sure. Okay. 100%. Cool. That was fun. How long was that? How long was it? Two hours. Oh my God, dude. Hey, if you're still listening, you're an amazing person, let me tell you. Well, let, <laughs> let me give you some shout outs because guess what? These people are dedicated. They listen to the end. So watch this. Oh, we were live just now? No. Welcome back. Whoa. But I go inside the app and then always there is somebody saying that they listen to the end. Hang on. I had to listen to the whole thing. Always listen to the end. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, if you listen to the end um, and you're inside the app, why don't you go? It, uh, I don't know enough about, I'm not inside. Okay. Um, we should I would get love, you inside. I would love for so, for anyone that uh, has listened to the end, you know, why don't you go on the app and why don't you invite a friend? And then why don't you also consider, tell you what, if you invite a friend to the app and you get a new sign up to come on, um, what we'll do is we'll let me know if this is okay. I'm just winning this. <laughs> okay. uh, I just realized like I don't own the app. Okay. I'm not the owner of the. I completely thought I was the owner of the Moto Academy for a second. <laughs> Tell you what, if you invite one friend to come in and experience the app, um, we'll do a private one-on-one -on -one session. So so we'll do the group session for anyone that's already in the app. Cool. But if you really want to have a little bit more of a one-on-one -on -one interaction with you, we'll offer an intimate version where AJ and I will come together and anyone that refers someone and just lets us know who you referred that joins up the Moto Academy, will give you an extra treat where, I, where I, I will give you much more of my time, much more of my attention, and I will provide a ton of value for you to become a better athlete, better human, faster racer. Um, does that work? Yeah, I don't see why not. We are actually, so version two of the app is just about to come out. Mm -hmm. hopefully it's getting close and in that where it's going to allow us to do personalized or it already does but it's going to have a couple other kind of intricacies to it that will help personalized promo codes for our for our app members so that way they can we're going to have like statuses like how you can earn airline status mm -hmm. and within when you reach those different thresholds you have a laundry list of benefits attached to them so because there's so many there's hard like Moto Academy peeps are hardcore, which is awesome. And so it's like, okay, you get 20 people to sign up using your personalized promo code. You reach X tier status, which you'll have a different um, badge next to your name inside of the app. So people mm -hmm. will be able to know like, oh, this guy's like leveled it. up. Cool. Gamify. Uh, it'll have all types of different benefits attached to it. And then, yeah, just make them so there's all different types of levels to it, which I think would be cool incentive for people to do that. Yeah. And how about this? How about if someone, uh, if you post your question, can you do like a little post in there and say, Hey, yeah. the, okay. Uh, how about this? If you are listening to this podcast <clears throat> and you type your question below, I'll pick what I think is the most interesting, either I'll let you choose two, either one, the most interesting question or two, the most interesting take home uh, idea that you got from this podcast, whichever you choose, why don't we enter them into like win something free? Can they, can we give them some, some bougie stuff we like got, a t-shirt or we something? We got free hat? stuff everywhere. All right. How about we, we send you a hundred dollars worth of free stuff to the best question. Is that Easy. okay? Yeah. We could do All that. right. hundred dollars worth of free stuff. Edge and I will figure out what it is, but we'll make it cool. We'll make it smart, uh, and actionable. I don't know, we'll make, we'll get you something cool. Right. Oh, I like um, it. So, yeah. shout out local a class, shout out Mark two, four, two slow pokes. Unbelievable. Zachary Abbott. You should hear some of these. <laughs>
uh, usernames, by the way. Shout out Dixon Balls. Shout out. <laughs> that's an really? actual, yeah. That's oh, an yeah. actual rider? Uh, yeah, that's the a dad to one of our riders. Uh, I hope he's fast. Dixon like, Balls. He actually might be there today. He's been riding. Oh, nice. They live in Colchester. Um, shout out Driver Jamie, of course. We always shout out Driver Jamie. And Gypsy11. MXY808, Kenny from Hawaii. We have so many cool people on this app. We need to get you an account just so you can just be a fly on the wall and peruse. Yeah, for anything. sure. And just in case any of you do want to access some of my information, uh, I have a podcast called Behind the Best. Um, it's Behind the Best Athletes, the People Mindset, and uh, just the people that make the best athletes who they are. We've, we've actually branched out into all different sports. We had some really cool podcasts. We just did Jeff Ward. I have a woman named Jen Horsey who um, is also going to be coming on soon, and she does um, athlete management, and she's got some really cool tips on how to, you know, if you're a pro athlete, how to sign better contracts, make more money. So behindthebest.co uh, or behind the best on any of the podcast platforms, you can check out our podcast there. You'll see like a nice green, fluorescent green uh cow's head i guess it is okay. but um and also go to rack racing if you want to work with me one-on-one -on -one, or we also do have a motocross specific group training program which is much less expensive than working with me one-on-one -on -one, which i think i don't even think i have any slots one-on-one -on -one right now but we might open one up for the winter um you can go to rack racing that's r-a-k it stands for random acts of kindness r-a-k hyphen racing.com or you can look me up dr that's Cavanaugh. for the moto Training? That's for the moto training or motorsports athletes. A hyphen is the one in the middle, not the one. On, the underscore is on the bottom. Got it. Hyphen's like the the little connector line in between. Or if you just go into Google and type in Dr. J. Cavanaugh, C-A-V-A-N-A-U-G-H, uh, you'll actually see a bunch of different stuff. I've been on other podcasts as well. I've been on yours. We did one, uh, remember Behind the Gate back in the yeah, day? Yeah. Uh, we did that. And then also uh, with I Bryce. I need that Bryce on, by the way, because Bryce also Bryce. lives in my town. He's great. I, we just drove by him the other day on, on his, his bicycle. bicycle? Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're just like, Bryce, Bryce. He's like, he, he's sitting there. He's like, dude, I got to be home in like seven minutes and 30 seconds because the kid's about to arrive. So we're like, so he's like, I can't stop. So literally we're pacing with him. Like he he wouldn't slow That's down. Hilarious. He was full. I was driving with him up the hill. He was, he passed me on his bike going up the hill because I was sitting at the construction and then I just drove next to him as he was going up the hill for a little bit. I see him everywhere on his bicycle. Yeah. He literally. I should be joining him more often. Make it happen. Um, yeah. I should, I would. Everyone should do something. Yeah. Just do it. Because he's in wicked good shape right now. Yeah. His ass looked amazing on that <laughs> bike. <laughs> All right, Jay. Well, thank you. I got to go ride my dirt bike. It is 1230. Uh, another episode of the best podcast in motocross, but soon to be the best podcast in the world, to be quite honest. So, All right. That was fun. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.